Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone happy friday eve and welcome to the opening drive on 101 espn in st louis where it's seven o'clock your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler brooke grimsley is here matthew rocchio is here i'm randy Carricker. if you haven't heard carrie davis has left our show he's joined the fast lane simply because he doesn't like to get up early uh which, which is, is that fine. the word on the street randy the, the, the streets are talking brooke oh. yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So it's it's us, and then um, in January, Danny Mac, Dan Dan McLaughlin will join us on a regular basis here on the opening drive. I woke up to snow in my yard this morning. You did not. Uh, well, how much snow did you wake up to? Yeah, my my yard was kind of covered. Really? Yeah. I didn't really notice any in my yard. Like a very thin ish layer uh-huh. on our deck. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. When I went out in the front yard, man, it was uh, it was snowy, and the roads are fine. Don't worry about the roads unless you're an idiot and you drive ninety miles an hour on the wet mm. streets. That has happened before. Randy, I saw a little bit of that yesterday. Did you? Yeah. Some people flying through, mm-hmm. or my other favorite are the people who kind of unnecessarily stop. Yeah. Right. On it's, the it's highway. One extreme or the other. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Here's what we got coming up on the show. Here we're going to talk to Greg Amzinger. He celebrated 15 years with MLB Network yes. this week. So we're going to talk to Greg at the bottom of this hour. We're going to talk to Hall of Famer Bernie Federico at 8:15, and then Mizzou down in Dallas. And we're going to talk to St. Louis and Pattonville product Mookie Cooper, who is going against the team that he left to join mm-hmm. Mizzou. He transferred out of Ohio State, and now is going to be going against them in the Cotton Bowl. Mookie will join us. At nine o'clock. How about our St. Louis Blues? I guess I don't know. I I really have no idea. I was going to say I guess they're better than we thought they were, but I don't think they are. I think that uh, we just don't know. I don't. I don't know. They're so perplexing, right? Is that the best way to describe yeah, it? Right now, are. perplexing. Yeah. But at least it's been a good perplexing here of late because they're five and one now under Drew Bannister. Mm-hmm. So something is obviously working for this group right now. And by the way, Joel Hofer, who was it? Thirty nine saves last night. Yep. He looks really, really good. He looks Billy Huso esque. Oh, doesn't it feel like that? It does. It well, does. Matthew, I mean, he's a, he's a guy, and the Blues have done a really good job of mm-hmm. developing goalers. Actually, they've done a much better job of developing goalers than signing backups. All due respect to Tomas Grice and uh, Ocho Cinco a few years ago, but they've uh, they <laughs> remember him. Yes, yes. <laughs> I forgot all about him. Oh my gosh, because he was a part of the whole Biddington situation, he was, yeah. right? Because they, they he, he was before Biddington, right? They waved him to bring Binner up. That's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah, the, the Blues had a backup goalie named Chad Johnson. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> We'll yeah. always remember him. Yeah. Oh, or we will. I might forget him because yeah. then Bennington yeah. happened right afterwards. Yeah, it's, yeah well, you will. 
Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we we got to do the oh. music. Oh. There's an issue. There's an issue. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? 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 I, I don't have my machine. Oh, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> as long as we can make our uh, goals work from the blues game. You can just sing it, Randy. Here we go. Oh. We'll remember you. Chad Johnson, I thought you were going to be a terrific backup for the St. Louis Blues. You wound up being less than terrific. <laughs> But you are a key part of the Blues winning a Stanley Cup, and I hope that you at least have a ring, if not your name, on that cup. Because if it's not for your ineptitude between the pipes, <laughs> we would have never met number 50, Jordan Biddington, who won us a Stanley Cup. Chad Johnson, you won us a Stanley Cup by being as inept at your job as you were. I don't know if that's the best thing to say. He did <laughs> not get his name on the Stanley Cup. No. No. Yeah, no. you, I think he had to play in a playoff game. Did he? No, I don't. Uh, I don't think no. he played in 20, uh, 2019. That he no. was he was gone by. Oh, he might. I didn't know whatever happened yeah. to him. Honestly, Ochocinco. I think he became a, an analyst on uh, one of the cable networks. <laughs> Talking NFL. I think that's a it's a different guy. Okay. I did always yeah. think him and him and Shannon Sharp was a weird combo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like how does that happen, huh? <laughs> so the Blues win last night over the Dallas Stars. Dallas came into the game with the fourth best record in the National Hockey League. First period, as Brooke mentioned, Joel Hofer between the pipes, and he was terrific for the Blues. And one of the Blues' young players, actually two of the Blues' young players, stepped up to bring the Blues their first goal. Haskin and lost it. His side goes to get it back. Out of the corner, Neighbors to the blue line. Perunovic walks the line. Neighbors, one-timer, he scores! Jake Neighbors with a one-timer on a sweet feed from Perunovic. And the Blues have taken a 1-0 lead. 1.52 to go, period number one. Is that a glimpse into the Blues' future a little bit? Ooh, yeah, I think so. And is Perunovic... And we love, you and I both love Craig Ruby, and we did not like the move. Mm -hmm. But one player who may benefit from that move is Scott Perunovich because he played well under Bannister yes. at Springfield, and he's played well since Bannister got here. And I don't know if it's a trust issue that the, the Drew Bannister just trusts Scott Perunovich more, but he's getting more ice time and he's getting a chance to, to show his game. Well, and that's another reason why I assume that Army made this move, right? Because Bannister, as you mentioned, has that familiarity with these younger players and we've been waiting to really tap in to see what all Scott Perunovich has available. He's a Hobie Baker award winner. Are you tired of hearing that yet? No. Oh, no. Because that's something that needs to be said. That talent is there. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're saying you're I tired just, of I hearing just, no, it. No, no, I just like the name Hobie. Yeah. No, Hobie. We, it's a great we, name. A Blues once had a player named Tony Herkus who was That's a good name. Really the Hercus Circus, H R K A C oh, and his yeah that he was That is great. Hobie Baker award winner. He was supposed to be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well wasn't great but you know, friendly sort. But with Scott Perunovich, the past two seasons, dealing with injuries, mm -hmm. and so we've been waiting to see what a fully yep. healthy Scott Perunovich looks like, and so I'm glad he's being utilized a little bit more. Me too. In the second period, Perunovich wasn't done. He got together with uh, one of the really nice guys on the St. Louis Blues to double the lead. Perunovic over to the far side now as the defense are going down low, and that's Scandella getting it back. Straight ahead to Perunovic. Far circle as the Blues are flying in the ozone. Scandella score! Marco Scandella! Snipes it from the top of the near circle. Top shelf far side. 2 nothing Blues. 9.07 to go in the second period.
Scandy, his second of the year, giving the Blues a 2 to nothing lead. Scandella, I know he's taken a lot of heat from Blues fans because he's been hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. But when he plays, he's a really effective player. The, the issue for him has only been his inability to get on the ice, which, you know, availability is the most <laughs> important ability. It's a pretty ability. big one. Yeah. yeah. But when he plays, he's a really nice player to have on your team. Exactly. And there is something to and I don't think this is any different than Craig Bruby and what he wanted, because he wanted the exact same thing, where mm-hmm. the defensemen get a little bit more involved. And here lately, six goals and seven games. That's 20 points for the defensemen combined. Yeah, they, they've been really good. Blues failed on a... Man, it looked like they were going to score on a 5-3. and three. And the Blues don't score on 5-on-3s, on but they had a full two minutes 5-on-3 and weren't able to tally. And then back came the Stars. Jason Robertson cut the lead in half to make it a 2-1 game, and that was the final. And Joel Hofer was terrific. You want to hear some Hofer saves? Oh. Because we've got Hofer saves. We may have a Hofer save montage. in, But we might not. It's, we it's might no, not. nothing You're just kind of like teasing people with that. Yeah, I am. You know? Well, maybe, well, maybe a little bit, maybe we, we'll not. We'll hear it at 9.15 on our Rush Hour Reset. Nothing to worry about there. Blues win it 2-1, to one and they're back in action tomorrow night as they take on the Colorado Avalanche over at Enterprise Center. That is a 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock face-off here on 101 ESPN. Randy, I don't know if you saw the abs last night, but they kind of imploded a wee bit. Did they? Mm-hmm. I didn't see the end of that. I saw them up 4-1. to one You didn't see their goalie freaking smashing a stick? Oh, no. I love this. Well, it, and also, just want to put it out there that if Jordan Minnington did that, it would be all over the place, Randy. Yes, it Which would. it was, to be fair. I did see it on social media. But you know how the conversation goes, where oh, with Benner, he must yep. be a baby if he throws right. a temper tantrum, all that different kind of stuff. I just found it a little bit ironic. Wow. Uh, Arizona scoring three in the third and then one in overtime. Mm-hmm. And I went to bed before that game was over. And I was assuming the Blues would be in a playoff spot when we woke up this morning because of Arizona's rally against Colorado. And I said yesterday... Even if it knocked the Blues out of a playoff spot on December 28th, I wanted Arizona to win that game because mm-hmm. I can never root for Colorado. So I'm, I'm fine with this. Lesser are the two evils. Yes, it is. Arizona's not evil. They're kind of, they're fun. Are they're they? Cu- they're cute. Yeah. yeah Coyotes. Yeah. The, the, They've been a little bit of a nuisance. Yeah, for us they have. Yes, yes. And for small animals they are. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> you got to watch out for them. <laughs> right. But I'd rather see the Avalanche lose. So go Coyotes and the Blues still a point out of a, a out of a playoff spot as we speak. Mm-hmm. I just sent you the video so you can okay. see it of I the goalie implosion. Uh, a couple of other notes for you. Number 1, Tory Holt for the fifth time a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame coming up in February right before the Super Bowl and uh, a rooting hard for Tory Holt there are a couple of other wide receivers on the list Andre Johnson and Reggie Wayne but Tory Holt from 2000 to 2009 and this is in the heart of Hall of Famer Randy Moss's career in the heart of Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison's career in the heart of Hall of Famer Terrell Owens career during that decade, Torrey Holt had more catches for more yards than any other receiver in the National Football League. He should already be in the Hall of Fame. And I hope, Brooke, that this guy, Rick Gosselin, who's a voter from Dallas, mm-hmm. who says, oh, there's already enough greatest show on turf guys in the Hall of Fame. I hope he finds his senses and understands that you don't vote for players from a team. You vote for players. It's not from a, a team. I mean... That's one of the reasons, by the way, guys like that, that it took Swan and Stallworth so long to get in from the Steelers, who yeah. both deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. I guess it's why Reggie Wayne is taking such a long time. But if you have, and Jerry Kramer took forever uh, from the Packers, and he only went in within the last five years, but there are people that actually take that approach when voting for the Hall of Fame, which I think is absolutely criminal. I would vote for the five best players. 
it just makes sense, yeah. right? And I don't understand. It feels like with that argument that you were just talking about there, why is he getting penalized for that? When you look at, I don't know, I mean, it, they didn't penalize Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin in that mm-hmm. same situation. Right. So why does that conversation apply to Tory Holt, but it doesn't apply to them? Tory Holt is a guy that won. Randy, I'm sure that you can attest, and I remember with the greatest show on turf, of course, because on the other side of it, playing against the greatest show on turf uh, was not was not the easiest thing. Thing to it do. Was it was such a talented, and I talk about this all the time. The greatest show on turf and the Music City Miracle, that was one of the best eras of football. It's what got yeah. me into sports, and it was so exciting. But just watching all of them together, and specifically Tory Holt, too, the fact that he was able to do that with Marshall Falk and with Isaac Bruce, I think Bruce, I think is more of a testament to him and his talent. And Randy, you know, there's certain guys that you see and you're like, that is surely one of the best to ever do it. Not only does he pass the eye test, but then the numbers match with it. When you were watching Torrey Holt in his heyday, <laughs> what, what was your first thoughts? That's a future Hall of Famer right there, Absolutely, right? Absolutely. No doubt about it. And the catches that he made, Isaac and Torrey were built the same and they had the same ability to get in and out of cuts. But I think Torrey was a little bit more spectacular as a receiver than Isaac was. Isaac was smooth and Tory mm-hmm. was spectacular. And yes, both of them are definitely Hall of Famers. And here's the other part of it. Tory had those catches in those yards with Isaac Bruce and Marshall Falk on his offense. And the Rams did spread it around, but man, he was he was good. So yeah, I think everybody that was a St. Louis Rams fan mm-hmm. is rooting for Tory. Bowl games yesterday, and oh by the way, we've got more today. But yesterday, the Military Bowl, Virginia Tech over Tulane, forty-one to twenty. This is only if you had bets on these games. West Virginia beats North <laughs> You're Carolina. You're saying that people don't just willingly watch those? No, that they, they might need an incentive. Only if they got money on them. Uh, or Matthew and I used to watch bowl games because the Rams always had draft choices. Uh, but do you watch bowl games anymore like you did before when the Rams had draft choices? Uh, no, God, no, no God, no. Ra- Randy, I used to watch senior bowl practices. Yeah, I, I used to watch the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I, I yeah. used to. My parents used to yell at me because I'd fill up the DVR with every <laughs> right, single right, senior right. bowl practice, and I'd come yeah. home from school and watch it. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. No, no we don't. West Virginia beat North Carolina thirty to ten. Uh, it was USC last night over Louisville, uh, forty-two to twenty-eight. Some quarterback I've never heard of leading USC with six touchdown passes, and then Oklahoma State <laughs> held off A&M thirty-one to twenty-three. He set a program bowl record, and he just walked on the field because you know every every single good quarterback is obviously not throwing the ball. Yeah. Miller also, Moss is his name. Miller Moss, fantastic football name. Um, <laughs> some guy named like Will Connolly was throwing the ball for UNC. Um, so yeah, that's that's the fun part about the bowl games now is even if you wanted to watch the prospects for your NFL team, guess what? You can't. Can't. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. They're they're out of it. <laughs> Makes so, you wonder how Louisville yeah. got that far, huh? It kind of does. It's the ACC. By the way, <clears throat> doesn't everything just work out for the playoff committee? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, today's bowl games, by the way, this is uh, Friday Eve. You've got the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. I thought Wasabi was not a brand, but like a really hot sauce that you put on sushi. Is it not? Uh, is Wasabi a brand for anything? I don't know. No, it's I, just a thing. It's a it's thing. Like, it's like, yeah. No one owns the brand ketchup, right? No, exactly. There you go. Thank you. Mm. How do you like your wasabi, by the way? Do you put it in your soy sauce or do you put it directly on your sushi? I put it right on my sushi. Wow, that is crazy. A teeny bit, though. It's meant to be a palate cleanser in between your sushis. Oh, I had no idea. I thought it was a spice. I mean, you can if you want, but... So I should put it in my soy sauce, is what you're telling me. Uh, 
Or just a have a, a wee bit in between. Okay. So, yeah, palate cleanser. In Japan, you typically don't put it in your soy sauce. That's more of like an American thing. Okay. Well, I want to do it authentic. You do? Yes. Okay. And now, real wasabi. Have you ever had real wasabi? Uh, that will wake you right up. I think I have. It's intense. So, yeah, it is. So, the wasabi Fenway Bowl, SMU and Boston College today. Where do you think the Fenway Bowl is? Oh, no. Sydney, Not this again. <laughs> Fenway Bowl? Yeah, where would it be? Uh, uh, um, uh, that's the one they, that's it's the one not going to be Texas they do, again, no, is no, it? That's the one they do down in Cancun, right? Yeah, no, this is at Fenway Park. Uh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we did great. We did great rock. We overthought it. You that's did. what happened there. We overthought uh, it. Now, here's one that... <laughs> rock is so yeah. bad right now. <laughs> here's one that uh, I find difficult to, uh, to make work in my mind. Bad boy mowers. Okay? okay, you've got bad boy lawn mowers. That's a bowl game. Yes, at the the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl. How many people in the Bronx <laughs> do you think are buying a bad boy mower? Uh, or on it in, makes sense in any of the five boroughs. How how many bad boy mowers do you think people are riding around? It, it, they must be doing really, really well. That's this is the time of year when you look at some of the college bowl game names, game mm-hmm. names, and you're like, "Wow, this business is doing really well." By the way, the Pop Tarts Bowl also mm-hmm. today. Yeah, so Bad Boy Moore's uh, Pinstripe Bowl, Rutgers and Miami Pop Tarts Bowl, NC State and K State, and that one is at five forty uh, four forty five St. Louis time, uh, and that is at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. I would assume that you've driven by a Camping World. Oh, yeah, yeah. Camping worlds are monsters. I think we have one here, like out West Wentzville or something like that. I feel like, like I've that. seen it, yeah. Yeah, camping world. You I know wanna... what we're talking about? So they went warm weather for the Pop-Tart Bowl, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. If they want to put that in like, yep. Minnesota, I was going to okay. be like, oh, and so Pop-Tarts are cold, Rock, huh? Rock, did you see the Pop-Tarts trophy? The because trophy's the best. The trophy, it, so right? it's a football, but then it also looks like a toaster, and they have two little Pop-Tarts sticking out of it. By the know. way, the official mascot, they decided, will be Strawberry for the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Hmm. What do you think of that? I love Strawberry. Yeah, is that is not that, your favorite? It's not my favorite Pop-Tart. It's. I think it's like the go-to easy one. That people like. They have some wars now. I haven't. Oh, they I have, have had that wars one. Pop tarts. Yes, I lived off yeah. wars pop tarts and Kyle's. Those are so Randy. good. Ooh. They're fantastic. I used to like the hot fudge one. Oh a yeah, lot. you They're, know what I'm talking and about. How can you do the hot fudge but not put it in the toaster? Right. It needs to be. It needs to be in the toaster. Hot fudge. I like the, uh, the wildberry one. You know what? I understand the chocolate and the s'mores one. I understand putting those in the toaster. But again, like the wildberry one, the frosted strawberry. I don't want that hot. I don't have any trouble with it. <sighs> he doesn't like hot fruits. We went over this. Oh, yeah, There's something right. about him and hot fruits. Hot I don't know pie. what happened to you when you were younger. Hot but It's a texture pie. issue. Mm. Yeah. It's better warmer. Yeah. So the, the, <laughs> it, you're blaming the textures. Fine. Great. <laughs> uh, and then the other bowl tonight is the Valero Alamo Bowl. Okay. What's Valero? Anybody know? Um... Uh, I don't yes. know. I, I know it's in San Antonio because of the Alamo, and I remember that because I remember <laughs> the Alamo. Uh, that one is uh, Arizona and Oklahoma. So that'll be a fun game, the Alamo Bowl, tonight, and you'll see that one on ESPN. We're off and running here on the opening drive. Coming up, we've got sick of it. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Sick of it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
time for Sick of It here on 101 ESPN. What are you sick of? Now, they stole this. Michelle Smallman stole this bit. And it's on their show on on Sportsman. Like oh. They call it I'm Over It. No, that's totally different, Randy. What, what do you mean? It's kind of like uh, we do Take It or Leave It back in the day on SportsCenter. <laughs> they did Truth or Trash. They also, also, <laughs> at least I admitted it. It's a daily piece for them, which I which is impressive yeah, because I is. don't think I can get sick of things that often. No, me that's, Really? That's from, Even from and you? And that's coming from me. Yeah, yeah. So. I wouldn't have a hill to dial if we needed it today. Yes. I got nothing. So, really? Nothing? Not, nothing that's I, been irking you? I got nothing. Yeah. So, <gasps> Michelle, with a little uh, thievery, which is fine. Okay. We, we all steal. So, uh, Brooke, here's the, what's going on. Uh, I, I'm sick of people that think that we are mindless and are trained to say what we say. Get a text early this morning from somebody who says, the media, air oh. quotes, cracks me up. You guys will do anything to make excuses for Mahomes. He is second in the league in turnovers and his accuracy is way off. And the lucky bounces and calls that have carried them for years just isn't happening this year. That's a media narrative. I responded, Brooke, to our texter and said, yep. This. Did you know that the media gets together on a Zoom, previously a conference call, every Monday morning to discuss what the approach is that we're going to take that week? For example, on Monday this week, Stephen A. suggested that Mahomes take. Colin Coward kept building up Lamar. I wanted to talk blues hockey, but a guy from Birmingham shot that down. Us Missourians folks also can't get any Mizzou is great traction because, as you know, the media thinks as one. Mm. I'm sick of people that believe that we think as one. And obviously, when I sent that text back, that was done with tongue planted firmly in cheek. (laughs) Randy, I was wondering where you were for our weekly Zoom (laughs) on Monday, our big media, the media Zoom. We had a lot to talk about on our agenda. I was so tired of coward. I'm the Birmingham guy that doesn't even want to talk hockey. Yeah, I know. It's really hard to get a word in, especially with the agendas that they're pushing there. Look. That we're pushing. Oh, we're pushing. Yes, I know. It's it's very hard. You know, you get that extra cash. Don't you like the extra bonuses that we get to for pushing those certain agendas and topics and things? Of course. Uh, I love to see that hit my bank account every single week. Look, I I understand. I think in in general, I do not like generalizations, but we've become we've gotten to this point where that's what you do. Right. And not that that's anything new, but you see it more and more now where we like to just really put people in a big, giant group together. I will totally understand and concede that there have been a lot of journalists that you want to consider that are part of the media who have not done a good job of upholding journalism, journalistic ethics. I will 100 percent agree with that. And I don't like those type of journalists because I think they ruined it for everybody else. But at the same time, I promise you, collectively, journalists are not coming together wanting to spread misinformation. I promise you that. There's a lot of great journalists there, especially locally. Locally, yeah. I think that because a lot of people, and I don't, know, I don't know if you get this question too, Randy. Okay, well, what news do I watch now? You do still have to do your research, mm-hmm. just as you did before, and look at many different outlets. And I always think that local news, the reporters do care a lot about a lot. getting the information out there, especially yeah. the investigative reporters. No doubt about it. And they're in your community; yeah. they're advocating for you for change. Journalism has always been a huge part of human history of checks and balances, mm-hmm. and I think it's something that's very important, especially in this day and age where you have social media full of misinformation. And by the way, I don't want to completely dismiss this texture because I hadn't really thought of it. But yes, Patrick Mahomes has been lucky for his whole career. He has. Uh, And he's just not lucky now. But yeah, those uh, Super Bowl victories and uh, the three Super Bowl appearances, all luck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. 
That, so, that's all luck. I think you have to think about it a little well, bit. Well, and also it's the NFL script, Randy. Right. Don't you remember you get the yeah. script as a part of those media meetings? Right. That's true. And we know what's going to happen. Oh, don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. Uh, or maybe say it. You you can. Okay, you can do it. They're going to go back and win the Super Bowl? Yeah. Oh. What? Just a, no, a crazy NFL script. Yeah. That would be the craziest comeback story ever. So I'm sick of the fact that we are as one in the media. That's mm, that's it. Yes. You know what I'm sick of? And I was kind of talking to you about this a little bit earlier. And look, I talked about this yesterday. Coming from the South, I will go ahead and say people in the South really do not know how to drive whenever <laughs> the weather changes. But yesterday, Randy, with a little bit of flurries, I was out on the highway and there was a lot of pandemonium happening. One, there was either cars really flying by you and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And also not putting on their blinkers. The the blinker thing, I never understand, especially if you're making a quick change. Just go ahead and just put your blinker on. It's, it's better for everybody because then it doesn't help. What did you shrug your shoulders? You don't like I don't blinkers? Know, I don't understand why people just, it's the easiest thing in the world. Thank you. It is. Just put on your blinker because then it could cause more issues. Mm-hmm. Also, the other part is the people who then unnecessarily stop on the highway. Unless there's something oh, yeah. really serious going on and there's bad weather involved, you should not be stopping on the highway whatsoever, hitting the brakes, unless there's something really bad happening there. So that's what I'm sick of. It's just this time of year, I think, sometimes brings out the worst in driving from people. Yeah, we're, we, we kind of struggle there. <laughs> we are. But you know what? We're in the South. We're in the SEC. Oh, yeah. We are in the SEC, by the way. Yeah, so we've got to keep that in mind. There you go. You like cornbread as a side, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matthew, what do we got on the text line? I'm sick of the Blues not being able to score on five on threes. I'm sick of that, too. Did they get one last year, or are they over like four years? I... I I forget if we scored a five. We, because they won last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't course. remember if we scored a five on three last year. But we had a stretch where the Blues were something like 0 for 23 or more. Maybe 0 for 24 on five on threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ho- hopefully that is a new streak that started last night. Man, that was... They, and you know what? I thought for sure they were going to score. Because it wasn't a bad power play. They were getting shots. They just couldn't score. Mm. Uh, got another one, Matthew? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking up that stat. No, I'm trying to figure out how to look up that stat because oh. I, I don't know if Somebody hockey reference it. tracks. Some, text in if you know that. the five. Did we score a five on three last it, year? The it's got to be somewhere in the splits. Yeah. I'll find it. Uh, sick of it. The capture login security where it asks you to pick all the squares of the bus or a bike, yet the handlebars slightly oh. go into the next square. What are we as legitimate humans supposed to do? Thank you. Yes, I'm sick of that too. Yes, I... I absolutely hate it. I start sweating, Randy, because I'm like, wait a minute. This is going to make me question what I've seen. (laughs) All squares with stoplights. Yes, yes. Okay, if there's actually not a light in it, but it's got a part of the the frame, does it count or not? I don't know. I know, and I overthink that. (laughs) Me too. And I'm like, okay, I I promise you I'm not a robot. I'll do anything that you want, but I feel like you're trying to trick me in these situations. (laughs) Thank you very much for that text. That's a good one. All right, let's get one more. I'm sick of March Madness focusing only on the men's bracket. Can we give the women's bracket some love? Agreed. Yes. 100%. The the women play a compelling game, better fundamental game, and they have stars. Angel Reese became a star last year, right, in the women's tournament. So while I am a big fan of the brackets for March Madness, I, I do enjoy the fact that women's sports is making some inroads here because mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that young women are getting the opportunity to get an education and show their wares on a stage that previously has been unavailable to them. I totally agree. It's something that is hugely important. I feel like that the attention has 
they have been getting a lot more attention over the years, too. Mm -hmm. But I think it's continuing to progress more and more. Yeah. And now that you have NIL involved... Right. That has even helped even more. And the Cavender twins for a long time were the highest earning NIL Mm -hmm. girls from Angel Reese, which I know that there's been a lot of stuff going on with Angel Reese, but still, she has made a lot of money with NIL. Right. No doubt about it. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Greg Amzinger next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke and Randy with you. Greg Amzinger joins us. He celebrated 15 years with MLB Network. The MLB Network is only 15 years old, and Greg celebrated uh, signing with MLB Network 15 years ago earlier this week. And uh, Greg Amzinger, lead anchor for MLB Network, and of course, a native of St. Louis, a product of the Lindenwood University, is with us now. Good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, you know, looking back, uh, 15 years, it's crazy. I remember it as if it was yesterday. I was 17 years old, and... <laughs> You know, it was a very daunting thing to be on national TV sure. at such a young age. So uh, to be in my 30s now, it just kind of <laughs> soared by. You know what I mean? <laughs> Greg, did you guys start on January 1 of 2009? Yeah. Can you believe that? So it connected the dots to a lot of people asking this question. Why were you hired so close to the launch of the network? Yeah. Because I barely squeaked in. I was like the last guy they hired, last on-air person they hired, because they didn't think they really needed me. And they tried to do some shows, tape some shows, see how the launch was going to go. Matt Bethersian was busy doing some Fox stuff to end his contract there, college football, uh, BCS games. And and, um, then they realized, you know what, the last thing they wanted to do was hire somebody that wasn't affiliated with one of the 30 major league teams. I wasn't. So they brought me in and – I kind of made the most of it, I guess you could say. You know, you have, and you're spectacular. And irony of ironies, 101 ESPN also went on the air, and I did here on January 1st of 2009. What a marriage. Yeah. beautiful. I'm glad we talk every week. We should. We're like 
connected souls. You know, it's funny. I, I look back at the nine coolest things I got to be a part of, and it's crazy. You know, obviously, I started on, you know, the shows no one wanted to do, and then I got to do all the big shows at MLB Network where I am today. And I've kind of become the Forrest Gump of baseball. I've, had, I've been around covering some of the biggest stuff for the past 15 years. And I did a list of the nine coolest things and started with being on the field as the in-ballpark MC when Julio Rodriguez broke the single-round home run record in a home run derby this past derby with 41. And it elevated all the way up to uh, – you know, the great uh, the mad dash, Randy Rosarena in 2020 in the World Series, and he fell down, and, and Brett Phillips, who hit up the base that drove him in to walk off the Dodgers, I interviewed him. He didn't know what happened. All hell broke. <laughs> he had no idea Randy Rosarena fell down. And then he didn't know that when they picked the ball up, they threw it to Will Smith, he didn't catch it. So I had to explain to Brett Phillips on live TV what had happened in the biggest moment of his baseball life, and he freaked out. He couldn't believe it. So that was a really cool moment. But I think yeah, it wasn't number one because I thought Wild Card Wednesday was number one. That tennis was symbolic of why MLB Network is so important. Number two was being on the postgame show and covering Derek Jeter's final home game in the Bronx, which was like a storybook ending to a great career. But the fact that I was hosting the draft in 2009 and we got one kid to show up. There was one kid in the building and then Randall Grichik was drafted, a high school outfielder, by this team that had two picks in the first <laughs> round and we were all sweating because this kid wasn't going to get drafted in the first round and it was Mike Trout. So Mike Trout getting drafted in our first year of covering the draft, 2009, has made us, so similar to you, Randy, at, uh, at uh, uh, ESPN in St. Louis, we are like kindred spirits. We are like uh, growing up and growing old together. What was your number one St. Louis Cardinal moment? Oh, man. I mean, there's so many. I, look, I, I couldn't overdo the St. Louis Cardinal moment. I couldn't do that. Uh, later in the show, when we celebrated my 15 years, I, I talked about Ozzy Smith coming in. And I did a one-on-one nine-minute interview with Ozzy Smith in Studio 42. He's my favorite player of all time. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention 2011. And in 2011, Game 6, I wasn't doing automatically every post-game show. Uh, Matt Vaskersian was in the mix. And, and what we decided was if the Rangers would have won Game 6, Matt Vaskersian would do the post-game show because they would win the World Series. They all, everyone in the world knows them from St. Louis, and they wanted to kind of like, you know, be fair. So they all got ready to go. I'm hanging in, in, in the trailer, and Randy, you've been with me for these postgame shows. We all hang in the compound, the television compound. And once it looked like the, the Rangers were going to win the World Series, Matt Vasgersian puts his tie on, I take my tie off. And I'm going to go, I leave with Sean Casey. I'm not on the postgame show. They're behind the outfield wall, and they're ready to do the postgame show. And then the great comeback happens, which you all saw, and they're trying to call me, and I'm already, I hit the streets of St. Louis with Sean Casey. I'm having a good time. <laughs> and then it ended up being the craziest night ever. And I'm literally running around in downtown St. Louis with Sean Casey. People are honking, pulling over, giving me hugs. It was the most incredible thing ever. But it did not come close to walking down the right field line after Game 7 in 2011, all these Cardinal fans hugging me that were in their seats. <laughs> I'm hugging people walking down the right field line on the field as we get ready for the postgame show. And then I'll never forget, starting the show, Albert Pools and Tony LaRusso, the last time they would wear those uniforms until Albert came back, uh, we opened the show with those two legends on our set. So it was that moment. I'll never forget looking at uh, Kevin Millar and, and Al Leiter and Harold Reynolds. They were doing the postgame show with me. And I go, guys, this might just be a really cool day in your life. And this is like 30 seconds before we're about to go live. I go, but this is one of the top 
10 days of my life. Wow. And that's what I wanted to make sure they knew because it really was. It was really cool. Wow, that is such a special moment, Greg. And I know that you mentioned being Forrest Gump, and I just want to say that you are like a box of chocolates, and you never know what you're going to get. And that's why we love you so much. So we do, though, want to get your opinion on Jordan Montgomery. I think it's really interesting because I expect now that his free agency is really going to heat up after Yamamoto is off the market. Do you think that there's going to be any possibility of a reunion with the Cardinals? Uh, You know, the Cardinals, I do believe the Cardinals need to sign another guy for that rotation. Uh, to assume the age of your rotation will be durable is uh, faulty. I don't think John Mosellock believes that. So I, I, I don't know via trade or free agency if that will be the play. But uh, Jordan Montgomery's price tag is going to have to come down significantly, which I think it might. Uh, I do think it might. I, I just Right now, Lucas Giolito's market's getting more play. Now, it won't be the long-term commitment, I believe, that Jordan Montgomery's going to end up getting. But, but Lucas Giolito has the peripheral numbers that front offices tend to look at which is his whip rate is in the 70th percentile. And he gave up 41 home runs. So if we could just keep the ball in the yard for Lucas Giolito, you're looking at a guy whose swing and miss will result in a 14-10 and 10 record with a 3.75 ERA. That's a $165 million pitcher in today's game. So I think the front offices are looking beyond the ERA and wins and losses. And when you do that with Jordan Montgomery, the swing and miss just isn't there. That's why I've been saying for a long time he's the 2023 version of Madison Bumgarner, except he smiles more than that. <laughs> Jordan Montgomery, to me, has proven that he could perform in a win-now situation in the Bronx, in St. Louis, in Texas. The numbers that these front offices go crazy for, they don't like, but ask Bruce Bochy how important Jordan Montgomery is. I think Bruce Bochy knows a thing or two about baseball. So if the price tag does come down because of these nonsensical thinking front office executives, who knows? Maybe it's a bargain of a deal the Cardinals should pounce. Hey, Greg, when you look at the National League, you've got the Dodgers with Otani hitting now and Yamamoto, and they've added to their pitching staff with the trade for Glass now as well. Uh, you've got the Dodgers and you've got the Braves. Is there a, a number three that's even close to those two in the National League? That's a great question. I think the Philadelphia Phillies would probably fit that profile, uh, only because the lineup is crazy, because I feel like the lineup hasn't even completely gelled yet. I mean, Trey Turner started to turn it around, but what would happen if he actually did that for an entire season? Like, what, what would the RBI total be for Bryce Harper, who's not that far removed from being injured and not being able to throw? And now you're going to have a full season of Bryce Harper playing defense, which he's openly admitted impacts his game. He likes playing on both sides of the ball. JT Realmuto actually had a down year. I think he's going to bounce back. Alec Bohm is going to hit for more power as he ages. He hasn't done that yet. Nick Castellanos, well, he's kind of one of the most oddest human beings in baseball. Let's leave him off to the side. Nick Castellanos is off to the side. Brandon Marsh is only getting better, and now they got this other kid in center field who can fly around the bases. I feel like the Philadelphia Phillies, keeping Nola is vital. We don't really know how good they are yet. And and to me, I I think they're right there with the Atlanta Braves. I, I don't think it's that much of a runaway train because I like the stability in the rotation of the Philadelphia Phillies where there are too many question marks right now with the Atlanta Braves. Looking within the Cardinals division, what do you think is going on with the Cubs? Because, of course, they made that big move spending on Craig Council, but they haven't done anything since then. What is going on with the Cubs right now? I, I have no idea. And the only thing I can think of is they're waiting on Bellinger, and that's the number one target for them. And after that doesn't work out, or maybe it does, I, I still think 
the Toronto Blue Jays end up getting Cody Bellinger because they got to have to overpay for somebody. And I, I, I talked about this yesterday on, on the air. The, the Blue Jays had $700 million allotted for one guy. If you're Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s agent or Bo Bichette's agent, you're going, um, well, you didn't give that guy $700 million. Where's our contract extension? And if that conversation isn't happening right now, it's never going to happen. So now you get two years where you're not going to have a signature face of your franchise because you're not going to keep Vladdy Guerrero. You're not going to keep Bo Bichette. None of those guys sign an extension with one year to go before free agency. If they get that close to the finish line, they're going to run through the finish line. They only have two years of control for both of those guys. So if you're not going to give them money immediately now after trying to get $700 million to one guy, you're going to have to find the new face of your franchise. Of all the guys that are available, I guess that's Cody Bellinger, which, which scared the hell out of me because well, for three years you couldn't find his swing. Now, people point to injuries, but he's I mean, swinging just out of control with two strikes. He cleaned it up last year. That's nice. But I think he was impacted by the setting, the friendly confines. He liked the vibe with the Cubs. And uh, maybe Toronto is eerily similar. Maybe it is. Uh, but I think the Blue Jays are going to have to overpay for somebody. I think Bellinger's the guy. And if that happens, the Chicago Cubs are going to have to do a combination of Jorge Soler in left and J.D. Martinez as your D.H. And we'll see if that's good enough to win the Central. I don't think it is. But they, that might be their, uh, their plan B and C. Okay, Greg, I, I want to finish up with this. I think that signing Sonny Gray for the Cardinals is fine if he's your number two. And, and by the way, 87 wins for the Twins last year. They went 14 and 18 in Sonny Gray starts. But I want to do a quick exercise for you, okay? Uh, the Cardinals open up against the Dodgers. Sonny Gray against Tyler Glasnow. Who do you think will be favored? Tyler Glasnow. Uh, Sonny Gray against Spencer Strider. Uh, it would be Spencer Strider. Uh, Sonny Gray against Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns. Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. Zach Gallen. Yeah. Well, see, this is where the or, or Merrill Kelly. Or Merrill Kelly. Either one of those. Uh, yeah, I, I would I would say it's a draw. I'd say it's a push. Okay, good. Justin Steele. Uh, I favor Sonny Gray. Okay. Uh, what I saw in the last four starts of uh, Justin Steele makes me think uh, maybe it was smoke and mirrors. Okay. Um, my point is, is that I think there's a lot of people, there's a perception out there that the Cardinals got like a, a top-of-the-line number one. I think they got a top-of-the-line number two, but I think when they go head-to-head starting a series against the elite teams in the National League, they are not going to be favored. Would you agree with that? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think he's number one of the guys that have? No question. No question. But uh, last year, Miles Michaelis was number one of the guys they had, you know? <laughs> right. So my point is, it's a dramatic improvement it is. over what they had. And, and and that was the goal, right? Right. Like, it, it, it's the price of poker. It is what it is. Anything can still happen. Guys can evolve. They have young pitchers who want a shot. And maybe something... Yeah. Look, the teams that win are the teams that have that surprise guy. It happens every single year. I mean, did anyone think that Evan Carter was going to be the middle-of-the-order bat for the Texas Rangers in the World Series? No one was talking about Evan Carter in spring training. I was in spring training, and I talk about prospects all the time, and they were talking about all the pitchers. No one was even talking about this kid. There's always a surprise, right? So for things to click, the Cardinals are going to need a pleasant surprise. Maybe that's Steven Matz. Maybe the time in the bullpen did something to the way he attacks hitters. Who knows? Maybe Lance Lynn can keep the ball in the yard. I brought up Lucas Giolito. Only Lance Lynn gave up more home runs last year. Mm-hmm. If, if Lance Lynn can – how about this? Can we get Lance Lynn to not throw a fastball on every pitch? Just to get, <laughs> get me over a breaking ball, right? Like, I get it. It's like he must have a tattoo on the middle of his back. I only throw fastballs. Like, 
that worked for Bartolo Colon because he had a lot of cut and he can manipulate a fastball five different ways. But let's just throw in a wrinkle. Just uh, get me over breaking ball. And maybe that'd be enough to get the home run total down for Lance Lynn. I think the Cardinals are dramatically improved in the rotation. And my- now, when you start comparing to everybody else, Obviously, you're going to step back, and there's always going to be something to complain about. But at the end of the day, the front office did improve the glaring hole on this team, which was the rotation. Absolutely, and I'm happy with what they did. My point in that exercise is just to say that the Cardinals still need, and you mentioned this, they have more work to do to go find a number one. So you sound like my son on Christmas morning when he opens up all of his presents and then he goes, how much did that present cost for Vanessa? So he starts comparing his presents to my daughter's present. And I'm like, London, what are you talking yes. about? I'm just keeping track. I'm just keeping track. He wants, he thinks that he's getting like, you know, the rug pulled out from under him that we spent more money on our daughter. So he's, he's not appreciating the gift. He's wondering, wait a minute, time out. That, those Apple headphones, those are like five bills, Dad. Like, how, how much did you pay for those? Like, oh, bro, you're getting a little too deep here. <laughs> Will we appreciate your gift. And let's not worry about everyone else. So I'm just too much of a materialistic baseball fan. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly. Enjoy the wrapping paper. Enjoy the hot cocoa, Randy. It was a good offseason. John Mosellock put lots of presents under your tree. Three brand new starters you got to open up. That is a wonderful gift. And just appreciate the presents Mo got you. Yeah, I, I love getting stuff, used stuff from the thrift shop, oh, Greg. Oh, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> no. old, old used stuff from the thrift shop. <laughs> well, the true colors really coming out. And uh, as a season of giving, it's all about what Randy didn't get. Well, I get it. I get it now. <laughs> I'm terrible, I know. Oh, man, happy new year, and congratulations on 15 years with MLB Network. Oh, uh, you too, my friend, and uh, we'll do it again next week. You guys are the best. Thanks, Greg. See you later. Love you. Uh, Greg Amsinger, MLB Network here on 101 ESPN. Indeed. No. <laughs> you should just be happy with the gifts that you got, okay? See, that's the thing. They tell us we should be happy. Yeah, okay. I can be happy. I grew up in the 70s when they were right around 500 all the time anyway, and I was happy. So I will. I will just forget that I experienced all the success in the 80s. <laughs> just wipe it from the, your memory. Yeah, in the 2000 until now. I, I I will just wipe that winning from my memory and I'll be happy with uh, there you go. 82 and 80. Of course. I will. I promise. I will. <laughs> it really seems like it. <laughs> I'm like Miracle on 34th Street. I believe. I believe. Uh, coming up, we've got to take it or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. And start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. All right, it is time for Tioli the Flash, apparently official. Haley Steinfeld still dating Josh Allen. Uh, That's news? That they're still dating? Still dating. Oh, okay. And Matthew, take it or leave it for the people that think that Taylor Swift is negatively affecting the Chiefs. 
their heads have to explode that the Bills are on a resurgent run here with Haley Steinfeld still part of the team. Oh, yes. I'm going to have to take that one. Randy, I forgot that they were dating, honestly. Mm -hmm. And look, the counter argument, of course, somebody's going to text in and say, well, Randy, but of course they're not showing her all the time. All due respect to Haley Steinfeld. She's not Mm -hmm. not Taylor Swift. Like, I feel like there's like definitely tears to the celebrity category. But do you think that when the Chiefs are on the sideline with their little uh, Microsoft surfaces, do you think they're watching the TV telecast and seeing Taylor Swift in her 87 Santa hat? Uh, that's totally what they're doing, right? Okay, so that okay, so that's why they're distracted. Got yeah, it. okay, yeah, and they're all sh- they're also watching her movie on there too. They're oh, like, yeah. oh, we have a game, but we got to watch the movie. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's a distraction. I get it, Brooke. Thank you. <laughs> I do get it. Take it or leave it. All in the news, and I know that we're going to dive into this a little bit later because it was just absolutely uh, crazy. I guess you could say when it came out yesterday, uh, Russell Wilson, as we know, was going to be benched for the final two games for the Denver Broncos. Take it or leave it. Russ was never Sean Payton's guy. I'm going to leave that. I'm, I think that Peyton thought that he could resurrect Russ, mm. but didn't realize what a diva he had. And we saw a couple of weeks ago with their sideline yes. argument. It doesn't appear as if Russ is playing the game that Sean Peyton is coaching. Mm. It just seemed like, and look, this looks like this was more of a business transaction than anything, but either way, they're still going to have to pay him a lot of money. So follow up, take it or leave it. This will be one of, I won't say the worst, because I still think Deshaun Watson's contract is pretty dang bad, Mm -hmm. but this will be one of the worst contracts in NFL history. Oh, I'll totally take it. Two years, $120 million and $85 million in dead money. Mm -hmm. And no playoff wins and no winning record. And Wilson... If he makes it to the Hall of Fame, you better thank Pete Carroll, right? Because he was a product of the system there. And his career started going downhill when we started to let Russ cook and let him throw it as much as he wanted. Mm -hmm. When they started getting away from the running game in Seattle is when when he started getting away from the running game. Really all started in the Super Bowl when he wanted to throw rather than hand off to Marshawn Lynch. Do you think that this is another cautionary tale of the grass is not always greener on the other side? It is. No doubt about it. Because... All, the, all these quarterbacks, they saw what happened with Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. and they saw what happened with Tom Brady, and they think, oh, I could do that. Well, mm-hmm. he couldn't do it. We'll see if Aaron Rodgers can do it. Not everybody can quarterback and coach, and you got the two goats that were able to, but I would doubt that Rodgers is going to succeed, and we know now that Russell Wilson is uh, is not going to. And by the way, if you're another coach, and you have saw what happened with Carroll, and you've seen what happened with Peyton, two arguably, I think they're both Hall of Fame coaches. If, if you're another coach, if you're Arthur Smith in Atlanta, do you really want Russell Wilson? He seems like kind of a coach killer. Mm. I don't know if they, if other coaches will want him to be their quarterback. He'll get a job somewhere, but I wonder if coaches really want him. And speaking about the grass being greener, he will still get $39 million mm-hmm. in cash. Next year. Pretty cool. Good for him. I wonder who makes more. You think he makes more or Sierra? Oh, he makes more. Okay. Right. I, I would assume. Yeah. Um, she, she hasn't toured in forever. Yeah, but she bought her master's, so now she gets... Doesn't that mean she gets more like royalty money and stuff like that? Hmm. If you own your master's, don't you Let's see if this is on the Google the, machine. Don't you control the rights to your music, and then uh, you get paid for the rights, don't you? Does she write her own music? 
I think that's the biggest that's the biggest thing. If you write and Russell, produce your own and can produce your own music, then that's where you're making the most of your money. Well, Russell, I feel like Russell's Russell made a bought lot. Didn't, Russell bought her masters for her. Oh, did he really? He spent like twenty million, or he spent like a, a couple million on them. Yeah, he, he no bought idea. her masters oh, wow. back from the from the company, and that's and that's what artists always talk about being. You know, that's when you can actually make yourself real money, as opposed to just making the record company money. Is when you own your masters. Uh, her yearly pay, according to Parade Entertainment magazine. Uh, is in the one to four million dollar range, and he's going to make thirty nine next year for not playing. Yeah, she just she just sitting on some royalties. Yeah, there you That's go. Smart. So, someone from the three one four said Arthur Smith done killed his own job. Yeah, he, he <laughs> probably did. <laughs> so I'm going to take that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Matthew, you got a couple of texts for us. Uh, take it or leave it. Russell Wilson contracts only second to Albert Hainsworth. There's got to be a couple other bad That ones was pretty there, right? bad. Hundred million for Albert Hainsworth, who, yeah, who was pretty bad. Yeah, there's some bad football contracts out there, though. There's a lot. Didn't yeah. they give like? Wasn't the wasn't D'Angelo Hall like fifty million? Then he and he was done after a year. Yeah, but Hainsworth never was a that's good player, true. and he made a hundred. Yeah, that's true. So uh, there there have been some. The NFL spends some bad money. Oh yeah, especially Dan Snyder. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Wilson's stint in Denver will prevent him from being a Hall of Famer. I think that is certainly valid. I think it is. Yeah, started two Super Bowls, won one, but now he kind of looks like a product of the system. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm with that. <laughs> Take it to leave it. Randy should just be happy he's not a Detroit fan. Uh, I think that's going back to your conversation with uh, Greg. Oh. No. <laughs> yeah, probably. Although they had a nice run. They just didn't win any World Series, but they had a run, nice run under Mike Illich. And I'm not happy. I'm not unhappy. I just think that one starter. That's all. Take it or leave it. Randy should appreciate pre-owned gifts because he doesn't give 100%. This is true. This is true. (laughs) But you give 100% on gifts because your cookies that you brought in, and Jamie was very jealous he didn't get them yesterday, as everybody heard. You put 100% into those cookies, Randy. I I do that. I just don't give 100% at work. That's my (laughs) thing. My bosses, they know. They think they're getting 100%. But... You don't show it all. No. You, you don't show it all. Randy, really? Uh, peanut, do you call them peanut butter bonbons? Peanut butter you, bonbons, yes, sir. In, that you uh-huh. put in the, the cookie pack? Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've never had a peanut butter bonbon, Get it. I don't know how I don't know how you get like the what's like the crunchy part in the middle of the peanut butter bonbon? Can you explain that, this The to crunchy me? part is called Rice Krispies. Get the heck out of here. Yep. You're, you're a genius, sir. Yeah, they're, uh, they're pretty good. Uh, last one. Take it or leave it. The Lions edge out Philly to get the two seed. And then they play in the conference championship. Ooh, uh, I'm going to leave that. I think Philadelphia is actually okay here. Mm. And I know that they had the three-game losing streak. But their schedule, I don't think, is prohibitive. Let me just check here for you. They've got the Cardinals and the Giants. Cardinals at home and then at the Giants. I think they'll be all right. I think mm. I think Philadelphia went out. So they'll be good. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I agree. Sorry, I was looking at this. Somebody wants me to explain more about the Deshaun Watson situation. Is it because of the national narrative for Watson's contract? It's, it's not a, a good contract. It's the only fully guaranteed contract in NFL history, and yes. he's got a bad shoulder that might end his career. And by the way, the Browns' defense has been the biggest story, honestly, I think, in my opinion, leading up to that with the whole injury situation. The Browns' defense really bought them a lot of time with these wins. Yeah, and Joe Flacco, man. And that's what a, a that's a, what a what a story there. You were talking about that yesterday. That story, right place, right time. Yeah. 
Now, if here's the whole thing is one way to make that contract work down the line is if he can stay healthy and play mm-hmm. well the remainder of that contract. But that's not the case at this moment. No. Hey, thanks for for your texts. We do appreciate it. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, which Super Bowl team from last season has the better chance to return this year? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker, and the two teams from the Super Bowl last year came in this year as the favorites to represent their conference again, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. This year, Kansas City is sitting in the third spot in the AFC with a record of 9-6, and six, and they have lost four of their last five. They are... Uh, Seven and three in the conference. They've they've had a tough go lately. The Eagles still have the second best record in the NFC. They're eleven and four. They would be the number two seed at the moment. They would win a tiebreak over Detroit based on strength of victory. Right now, both teams at eleven and four. So Philadelphia uh, has a chance still to be the number two seed. And heading into the weekend with San Francisco not playing, the, the wild card weekend, they would be the number one team and they would host Seattle in a first round playoff game. Meanwhile, in the AFC, Kansas City would have to play Cleveland at home in a first round playoff game. So with that being the case, the two teams that went to the Super Bowl last year, Brooke, who would you think has the best opportunity to get back to the Super Bowl? <sighs> this is a toughie. You like how I said toughie? I know yeah, it's not a real toughie. word, but uh-huh. I'm going to make it for this situation like because this. it yeah. is a toughie, Randy, because it's so hard. And I don't know, this. maybe this is just me. It's still hard to believe that this is truly what is happening with the Chiefs this mm-hmm. season. And that's why it's hard to bet against them because of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and what we've been able to see them do, the way that they're able to figure things out and fix it. But what concerns me is that... They've never been here before in this situation, right? It feels like things are in a disarray. The whole kerfuffle that you've seen on the sidelines, now you've seen a lot of anger come out. That's something that's deeply concerning to me. But at the same time, it's because of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I feel like they can figure things out that I still have to go with them. And maybe that's just me being blindly hopeful that they will be able to figure it out. But I think with the Eagles... There's been some changes, too, that we've seen with them this season. I don't think that either one of these teams is exactly perfect. And I know at the beginning of the season, I thought that the Eagles were still one of the more well-rounded teams. But they did lose two of their coordinators from Mm -hmm. that Super Bowl team. And I kind of feel like offensively, because we know, I know that it's still up to the players to execute on the field. That's what they have to do. But we've seen this season, especially with changes with coordinators, that sometimes voices do matter with within the coaching system, and it, right? It, it happened to both teams. It right? did, yes. So the reason that I would pick Philadelphia is because I think the Eagles, because they still have Brown and they still have Devontae Smith and they have Goddard back and now they have uh, uh, Swift in the backfield. I, I think they have more guys. I think mm-hmm. Philadelphia, and they have their offensive line intact. Uh, not only did the Chiefs lose their left tackle to Cincinnati, but their left tackle that they signed as a free agent isn't playing either. The Eagles still have their offensive line intact and they still have the talent and I still look at Philadelphia, especially playing at the link. I think they're substantially better 
than Tampa Bay, the Rams, and the Seahawks. And I think if they played either the Lions or the Cowboys at home, I think they would beat them. And I think they would be capable of going to San Francisco and winning. I think Kansas City would have their hands full, and they don't have their guys anymore, mm-hmm. right? Because they they have Rasheed Rice, but they they, they lost Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, the, their offensive line is different. They've got a diminished Isaiah Pacheco. Their defense is still really good, but I think they would have their hands full with Cleveland. I don't think that. And by the way, I'm, I'm not sure Jacksonville's even going to win their division anymore and be in the playoffs. No, no. But I think Kansas City would have difficulty with Buffalo at this stage, and I think. It'd be really difficult, if not impossible, for Kansas City nine out of ten days to go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens. So I think that there's just more players and a better opportunity on for a one-off for Philadelphia than there is for Kansas mm-hmm. City. And even though when I was talking about with the coordinator change what that you've had offensively and defensively this season for the Eagles... It feels like still the Eagles are not in that perfect rhythm offensively, but still it's better than what you've seen here as of late than the Chiefs. Now, I do want to bring up something maybe a little bit concerning for the Eagles defense that we've seen change this season, because last season, I don't even remember this. The Eagles defense was top of the league in sacks. It was 70. They had 70 70 sacks sacks last season. And that was close to the NFL single season record of 72 Mm -hmm. by the, what was it, 1984 Bears, Mm -hmm. I believe, a record that they held. But now they're more middle of the pack. They that Bears team, by the way. Oh, yeah. 38 to something, yeah. So they're a big part of that. But now the Eagles are middle of the pack in the league in that category with 40 sacks this season. Even if you look at that game that they did win, I will give the Eagles credit for that. But Randy, that was not the prettiest of games. And that was a team, too, that they were only able to get one sack against. The Giants, though, they've allowed 76 going into that game, and the Eagles were only able to come away with one sack. So, I will say they do have a lot of talent defensively, but it seems like they have dropped, especially in that category this season, because who's the other pass rusher outside of Hassan Reddick, who's going to really get the pressure on the edge outside of him. That's the thing. I don't know if they appreciated how much they they needed Javon Hargrave, who went to San Francisco yes. and, mm-hmm. and is playing for the 49ers. And then Fletcher Cox is 35 years old. He's diminished. Jordan Davis has been hurt, so they've had issues with that. So they, they just turn out the, the same team. You're right. Aside from Reddick, uh, and then Jalen Carter's been hurt el- also. They really don't. And Graham is old. Both Cox and Graham are, are old and not what they were last year. So Reddick is really the only major pass rush threat that they mm-hmm. have right now. Now, maybe Cox and Graham will find their game and their mojo come playoff time, but their pass rush isn't nearly as fierce as it was last year. No, and that's where you've seen a lot of changes to with the Eagles defense. I do think that the Chiefs defense has been a big part of what has kept them in the games and helped them win games. Mm-hmm. I know that they all obviously came off from a loss, but I feel like we've seen so many times, even with your Bills example, sometimes your defense can at least help you get to the point, buy you some time, so offensively you can figure things out. Yeah. One other point, by the way, you mentioned the coordinators. Jonathan Gannon leaving, that's a huge loss because he's great at manufacturing a pass rush. And Mm -hmm. he's doing that with not much talent in Arizona and obviously did it last year with Philadelphia. So I have Philly as the team with the best chance of the two Super Bowl teams last year to go back. Who you got? (sighs) 
I, I feel like Eagles are definitely the more logical choice here, but Randy, I'm just going to have to go with the counterpunch here. I just, I still believe that the Chiefs will be able to pull something off and come together. You always have a chance when you have Patrick Mahomes on your side. Always exactly. have a chance. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. That's today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, a 2-1 win for the Blues over Dallas last night at Enterprise Center. We're going to talk about it with Hall of Famer Bernie Federko next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I'm Randy Carricker, the Blues, with a 2-1 victory over the Dallas Stars last night at Enterprise Center. And joining us to talk about it is the Hall of Famer, analyst on Bally Sports, Bernie Federko. Good morning, Bernie. How are you this morning? Good morning, Randy. I am doing excellent. Thank you. Good. Happy New Year. Before we get started here, I hope you had a great Christmas and Happy New Year. I did. Same to you. I hope you guys had a great one. Yes, look forward to a wonderful year in 2024. Yes, and Bernie, last night, obviously a great win for the Blues, but it seemed like Joel Hofer was the star of the night for the Blues, stopping all 15 shots, especially in the third period. 39 saves from him. He just looks so much more comfortable and confident right now, right? Yeah, I think, Brooke, I, I think it, it just takes time for any young goaltender. I mean, it's still, I mean, he's still early in his career, and I think he's, you know, he's watched a lot. He's, he's, uh, he's got a great uh, a teacher in, in in watching Jordan Bennington as well, but he's one of those guys. He's just a big kid, uh, you know, big stature. When you get a big stature in goal, it helps you an awful lot. And he's learning his angles. And I think the more quality shots that he gets in practice from from the guys, everybody shoots the puck so well uh, that he gets to know the game a little better. But I think he's just he's just relaxed out there, and I think that he uses that big size. And last night was a perfect example. He was in the right place at the right time. Uh, you know, reads the play very well, anticipates very well, and. And even when he's, uh, you know, not can't see the puck because of his size, uh, it's going to hit him. So I thought he played very, very well last night. Well, and also very valuable on the PK, right, too? Well, you always say that your best goal, your best penalty killer usually has to be your goaltender. So, it, uh, you know, the Blues didn't get that many chances against him. What, only a couple of times they were shorthanded uh, during the game. But, yeah, he, he was in the right place at the right time. And uh, he handles the puck very well. And I think for a young uh, goaltender, I think he's very, very poised out there and I think even when you hear his uh, comments after the game, uh, he, he's very uh, confident and he's, he's certainly not cocky, but he, he, I think you can just see by his body language and what he has to say that, that he, he really is, is very relaxed and he's very confident out there right now. Bernie, as we see more of Scott Perunovich, what do you think of him? Well, he's one of those guys that, uh, I mean, hey, he won the Hobie Baker Award. I mean, he was a top college of player uh, you know back in his day so I mean, he's obviously got great skills as far as uh, off moving the puck offensively so I think I see a little more confidence out of him I mean he's had a little you know kind of a rough ride over the last of course the last couple of years you know being injured and having surgeries and, and really has not really got the opportunity other than in the American League so I mean and even over the course of this year I mean he's not played a lot but I think the more ice that he gets I think uh, he's started to use the skills that he's supposed to use I mean he's supposed to be that guy that is very good and poised on the power play, the guy that passes the puck, moves the puck very well, you know. So I think we're seeing that last night. He gets a couple of assists. He, he moves the puck really well. I'd like to see him shoot the puck a little more. Uh, but other than that, I think he, he's, he's showing the skills that he does have. By the way, I thought it was notable last night, and it's happened a lot this season, that at the end of the game with a one-goal lead, the puck is on the stick of Colton Pareko. He seems to have kind of found his game, hasn't he? 
Yeah, I mean, he, he knows what his job is. I mean, I think, I mean, Colton's, you know, is his, his best attribute is what he carries the puck when he uses that big body of his. And, and when he gets the puck, go with it. You know, don't stand around and look to see who you're going to pass it to. Get the puck and, and get the legs moving, and, and you can carry it out yourself. And I think we're seeing a lot of that. And, I mean, he's got great size and he's got great skill. And, I mean, and we always talk about if he, if he had a, a mean streak in him, he, he, he'd, be, he'd be tough to beat. I mean, he'd be the best, probably the best defenseman in the league. But you know, sometimes you just can't get all those attributes. But uh, certainly he's played very well this year and he's back. You know, he's got his offense going right now. And, and certainly just the size of him and the speed that he has, I mean, he's very, very, he defends very, very well. What do you think about the defenseman getting more involved? Of course, we saw offensively. I'm saying more involved offensively because you saw Marco Scandella with a goal last night, and they now have had six goals in the last seven games. That's 20 points for him. Yeah, Brooke, I mean, I, I think that's been always the, the, the key to any team is if you get your defense involved. I mean, it's, we always talk about five-man units. I mean, the forwards do their job, but, I mean, when you get the defense jumping up with the play, getting pucks to the net, I think that's a perfect example. Last night, you know, Marco's goal was just a, a wrist shot from from the from the blue line, but uh, you know, Gabers was in front of the net, so was Shen. I mean, uh, you know, Wedgwood did not see that puck. Uh, you know, neighbors moved out of the way just in time, trying to deflect it, and went into the you know the the right side of the net. So, I mean, those are little things that that you win hockey games with, but uh, it's it's up to the defense to, you don't have to slop the puck out there or get a, a great speed on it, just get it on the net. And if you've got traffic in front, the goalie can't see it. A lot of times it finds a hole and goes in. So uh, it's good to see the, the, the defenseman getting involved. And yeah, it's good to see, you know, guys like Marco Scandella not known for scoring goals, but he's got a couple now. I mean, Falk's back scoring again. So I mean, it's good to see the defense getting involved or offensively. Hey, Bernie, uh, I went to bed last night thinking that Colorado was going to beat Arizona. I wake up this morning and Brooke tells me, no, Arizona came back from a 4-1 deficit and beat Colorado 5-4. Colorado in town tomorrow. Can you take us uh, into a room after you blow a lead like that? I know you played in games. Is the next game affected by what happened in the last game? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you know, you're happy to get a point out of there. But yeah, I mean, when you're up 4 nothing uh, in the middle of that game was 4 nothing for Colorado and and they give up three third period goals to me, you know, and, and and end up losing in overtime. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's talking, and you you're you're sour, and you can hardly wait to get to the next game. So I mean, obviously, the Blues are are the next game. So, uh, but I mean, you also look at it, you question yourself too when you give up that many goals in a game. I mean, with the Blues coming off, you know, they scored three against Chicago in, in half the game. They win the game the other night, seven five. They score four goals in the last half of the game. So. You just never know in the game. You can't take anything for granted. And, and I think it was probably a lesson learned for the Colorado Avalanche. Maybe took t- things lightly, and you can't do that. The Blues, you know, got away with the, with against Chicago in the 23rd. You, you don't give up that many goals and expect to win. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think that Colorado will be thinking about that. But certainly I think the Blues now know that Colorado can give up a lot of goals. And the Blues got a bunch. What, they get eight there the last time they were in Colorado. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things is that you, you've got to be have your game plan and you got to stick with it uh, for a full 60 minutes. Otherwise, it's going to burn you. The most interesting man in St. Louis hockey, Bernie Federico, <laughs> with us on 101 ESPN. Hey, happy New Year, and we'll talk to you in 2024. <laughs> Sounds great. You guys have a great New Year. Behave yourselves, too. We'll do our we'll best, try. Bernie. Thanks. <laughs> See you later. That's the great Bernie Federico, one of my all-time favorites here on 101 ESPN. As a young broadcaster man, it was such 
a relief to have somebody as friendly as Bernie Federico. Here I am, 20 years old in the Blues locker room, and he, he'd come up in 76. So I was obviously aware. I was I was a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were in a locker room for the first time, and you, you're wide-eyed. and you know. It's, but I couldn't have had a better person to interview than Bernie Federico. He was awesome to oh, me as a kid yeah. and has been ever since. And he is still now. Yeah, he's yeah. so easy to just go up and talk to about anything. And he was one of the kindest people, as you mentioned, when I came here to St. Louis, media member-wise, just going up and speaking to him. He's so willing to just talk about everything. Hockey, breaking that down, but mm-hmm. even just life in general, he's he's great. He's one of the best. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we've got the fight. Did we have a winner yesterday, Matthew, or do we need a new fighter today? <laughs> Come on. Uh, you hit the jack and beat him 4-3 to three yesterday. Okay, so uh, we, you do need a fighter. Do you need a fighter. Okay, 314-399-9646. 314-399. Yo-ho! Text in with your name and the word fight to uh, that number, and perhaps Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the And welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker and Matthew Rocchio. And it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Caleb with a K. Is that correct, Caleb? With a K. Oh, okay. How many times? Just just go ahead and tell me. How many times have people misspelled it and did the C? Uh, out of 100, I'd say about 99. I'm going to be honest with you. Even when writing it down, I put the C. Until Rock said that it was have, with the K. Have, you, have your parents apologized yet? <laughs> no. Okay. No, they're they're they're, uh, they're not nice people, so they don't apologize for much. They don't have to. So. They don't have to. They didn't make a mistake there. That's we'll, the we'll name. That. Deal with it. <laughs> All right, Caleb, you ready to take on Randy in the fight? Um, I'm ready. Okay, we'll get started here with question number one. Of the current Super Bowl winning head coaches still in the league, who is the only one to have a ring as a player and as a head coach? Is it John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, or Doug Peterson? Well, let's, let's go... Let's go, Doug Peterson. All right. Following the lost season lockout, following the lost season lockout in 0405, the Blues missed the playoffs three straight years. Which team did the Blues get swept by in their next postseason appearance? Was it the San Jose Sharks, the Los Angeles Kings, or the Vancouver Canucks? We're gonna go with the Sharks. Who was the only Blue to score in both Winter Classic games in 2017 and in 2022? Was it David Perron, Alex Petrangelo, or Vladimir Tarasenko? Uh, I want to go. I, I want to go Tarasenko. We're gonna go. We're gonna go Tarasenko. All right, and on this day in 1958, the greatest game ever played took place between the Baltimore Colts and which longtime NFC franchise? Was it the Green Bay Packers, the Washington Redskins, or the New York Giants? Uh, 
And no baseball questions. Uh, <laughs> the off season. Get off my back. <laughs> Rock, Rock, Rock is switching up. Switching I'm, up I'm, on you. Uh, I'm just. I'm gonna go with the Giants. Alrighty. I always get, I always get two, I always get no hockey questions, and I throw in two, and now it's no baseball questions. Jeez, we're gonna double check our answers, and we're gonna bring in Randy Carricker. All right. How are you feeling after that, Caleb? Boy, I, boy, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to go with your gut with those. I'm sorry that there was no baseball questions. It feels like that was probably intentional by Rocchio. He probably had a feeling that you were hoping for baseball questions. Well, that's okay. If you guys want to call me in sometime, I'd probably go 5-0 and for baseball. <laughs> there you go. Randy, say hi to Caleb with a K. Caleb with a K. Good morning. How you doing? Hey, Randy. How's it going? Big fan, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening and thanks for playing. It's, and Happy New Year no to you, sir. Yes, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Yep. His New Year's resolution, he didn't say this, I'm just making this up, is to beat you, Randy. Okay, that's a good New Year's resolution. So uh, uh, hope that next year he's able to. Oh, Randy. What? <laughs> well, I mean, that is pretty soon, so we could yeah, have Caleb yeah, back but, on you know, again. It could be 2023 resolution, too. Let's call, see. Me, call me back right at the end. He was hoping for some yeah. baseball questions, but you'll okay. see what you're about to get. All right. Question number one. Mm-hmm. Of the current Super Bowl winning head coaches still in the league, who is the only one to have a ring as a player and as a head coach? Okay, so, uh, well, it's not Bill Belichick. I can tell you that. You just want to say that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, Super Bowl winning coach is still in the league. Andy Reid, not an NFL player. Bruce Arians, not coaching anymore. Belichick, Carroll, Philadelphia. Doug, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson would have been the guy. There you go. Back up to uh, Brett Favre in Green Bay in 1996, I believe. Following the lost season lockout in 0405, the Blues missed the playoffs three straight years. Which team did the Blues get swept by in their next postseason appearance? I believe that was Andy Murray's uh, Vancouver team. Uh, the, his team that lost to Vancouver. Uh, I'm going to go with the Canuck. Eh? <laughs> eh? Who was the only blue to score in both Winter Classic games in 2017 and in 2022? <laughs> that was so good. What? He was moving the camera around oh, and I, I just heard it. stared. Yeah. Just stared right at it. Okay. Stared right at it. You did? I did. Oh, I, you did. You can okay, go watch good. it on the YouTube. Okay. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me check this. <laughs> you don't um, want to answer so the question. I'm gonna, oh, yeah. I, I'm going to go with. Oh, there. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. I am going to go. With uh, the only guy that scored in both Blues Winter Classics. I'm just going to guess it was Vladimir Tarasenko. All right, Randy, on this, this is a tough one for you. I don't know how you're going to get this one. On this day in 1958, the greatest game ever played took place between the Baltimore Colts and which NFC team? I would say that there was no NFC then. So can you please clarify? Which now longtime <laughs> NFC franchise and then NFL franchise. I think Pat Summerall was kicking field goals for the New York football giants that day when Johnny Unitas led the Baltimore Colts to that overtime victory in the greatest game ever played, which really was not that great. <laughs> you, mm. dispute, you dispute the moniker? I do. We've yeah, had a couple, have we, have we had any better games since then? Since that game? Yeah. I would say that we've had multiple Super Bowls that have been better. I right. would say the Kerry Super Bowl was better. Fine. Mm. I, I would say that uh, I hate to do this, but twenty-eight to three was better. Uh, 
Right. Just yep. lock this away. It's not always the young people who bash yep. the old school games. How about, everybody. How about <laughs> the uh, the game with the tackle? Was that not better, Brooke? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm, totally. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. I will never forget that. So, <laughs> does Randy's, despite Randy's blasphemy of the greatest game ever played, does he walk away with a 13th straight victory in the fight? Or does Caleb with a K vanquish his foe in Megamind? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back here while we're giving the answers. All right. Do you have any idea how many passes were thrown in the greatest game ever played? <laughs> oh, no. I'm gonna go with a total <laughs> of twenty four and like I'm gonna go with like eighteen of them being from United and six from the Giants. Okay, it that's was my the, guess. It was the Giants. Uh it was the okay. Giants, by the way. Uh, Charlie Connerly, 10 of four. Oh, wow. United is 26 of 40 for 349. 40. Wow. See, I mean, see, United's had, the, United's had like 12, like a dozen, two dozen games in his career where they just uncorked it because they had Johnny United. Yep, only one touchdown. That's it. But uh, Connerly of the Giants, 10 of 14 10 for 187. That's more along the that lines. That makes a lot more sense. Let's go. Hold on. Let me get the uh, rusher. So, uh, Alan Amici, University of Wisconsin, there I believe. Uh, 14 carries, 65 yards, two scores. He, he scored the winner, I think. Uh, Frank Gifford, yes. 12 for 60. L.J. Dupree, 11 for 30. And then Alex Webster, 9 for 24. And Lenny Moore of the Colts, 8 for 23. There you go. That's some real football right there. <laughs> Sorry, Caleb, you heard Mr. Buck there. And that means Randy Carrier hit the jack. He beat you 4 to 3. You, you almost forced that tiebreaker. Yeah, like I said, call me back. Right when baseball. <laughs> there you go. He still did really well. Caleb, you still did really well, though. Sensational. Yeah. It yeah. was, in fact, the hockey question that got him. Let's go through those answers really quickly. Of the current Super Bowl winning head coaches still in the league, it is, in fact, Doug Peterson to have won a ring as a player and a coach. Only one of four pl- uh, coaches all time to have ever won a player as a head coach and uh, ever won a ring as a player and a head coach. Mike Ditka, did Mike Ditka do it? Mike Ditka, Tony Dungy, Tom Flores, and Doug Peterson is go. the whole list there for you. And I believe. Really, Ditka and Dungy, like they, they were, they were, they were like, you know, they were role players, and Flores and yeah, Peterson were time. hardcore backups. Yeah. Dungy, not not a bad player, had six picks as a backup, which is yeah, a crazy stat line to me. Following the lost season in 0405, the Blues missed the playoffs three straight years. They would then go to the playoffs in 0809 and lose the Vancouver Canucks, getting Van swept Blankencouver. by Van <laughs> Blankencouver. The only Blue to score in both Winter Classic games in 2017 and 2022. He had two in the first game against the Blackhawks and then one against the Wild in 2022, and that was Vladimir mm-hmm. Tarasenko. And on this day in 1958, the uh, now disputed great Greatest game ever played. It was, in fact, the Baltimore Colts <laughs> facing off against now NFC team, then NFL squad, the New York Giants. So a 4-3 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. Caleb, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Caleb, thank you. Thank you very much for listening and happy, happy New, New Year. Year to you. It is back-to-back fighters who have been like, what, no baseball? No. <laughs> we got to change that for them. <laughs> I guess I do. I've been oh. trying to get more hockey because it's hockey season mm-hmm. and I've and and then my brain goes to football. Can I just say that you the past two questions that you've had for the Winter Classic, you're we're doing more promo than the NHL does for the Winter <laughs> Classic, honestly. Because I always forget that it's coming up. They Who's never really... It? Oh, uh, I, remember, I feel remember like yesterday, I know. Remember yesterday's question? There are four former Blues playing in this week. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nights. oh yeah, right. We'll definitely have hockey weather outdoors wherever they <laughs> play that thing. <laughs> wherever they play that thing. Okay, so uh, I want to get from you guys. The greatest football game you've ever seen. 
Mm. Either on TV or in person. I mean, the Iron Bowl with the kicks that ended with the kick six is, up, is really far up there. Um, I would have to say, even with the Titans losing, it has to be. Oh, that. What, what am yeah. I talking about? Giants Patriots Super Bowls. Yeah, oh, those, those were glorious. Pretty awesome. Oh, those were amazing. When you talk about the tackle, Randy, even though painful memory, but still at the same time, that it just that's just like ingrained in my brain. Yeah, just having that moment with the Titans. It was great. Even so though they lost, we've had a lot of great games over the years. The Giants mm-hmm. have played in a lot of really good football games over the years too. They really have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, their Super Bowl, some of their Super Bowls are classic. I mean, obviously right. here in St. Louis, I think we have a, an oddly special connection to the O.J. Anderson game right. with, with the Giants and what he Wide was able right. to do. Yep. Yeah, that's that's that. Yeah, right. No, no joke. Yeah. So and then uh, they they had an incredible game with a bad snap by Trey Junkin where they lost to the Niners. The the, the NFC Championship game at Green Bay where Tom Coughlin's face almost fell off oh because my it was so God. cold. I mean, I'll, just, I'll say this right now: there's no doubt in my mind that the Patriots Eagles Super Bowl was better than the greatest game ever played. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Philly special, everything you had in that game. Come on. Oh, somebody good. texted him from the six three six Texas Tech at Oklahoma, Baker versus Mahomes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. but Texas and USC, 2005 Rose yes, Bowl. Yes, 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 yes. I have a deeper mm-hmm. cut. Texas Tech in Texas, when Michael Crabtree made that uh, shoestring on the sideline mm-hmm. catch and then took it in down the sideline, that Texas Tech-Texas game was wild. Yeah, we've had a lot of really good football games. I've been hashtag blessed. Yeah. Uh, all due respect to what happened in old-timey days. There were 17 Hall of Famers on the field or and, in the, or, and, on, the, and on the sidelines. Come on. Yeah, but how many deserve to be in the oh. Hall of Fame? They're a bunch of giants in New York. Writers, come on. Give me a break. Coming up, uh, our, our year is heading down the stretch, and we are going to look back at 2023 with our St. Louis Team of the Year here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, we are headed down the stretch of 2023. Today is the 28th. You have the 29th, 30th, and 31th. And then we'll be headed to (laughs) the the what? 31th. The 31th? Well, yeah. No! That's, what, uh, that's, uh, that's uh, old Boomer Esaias in Monday Night Football. Yeah. The 31th. Well, that's why they have the 31th ranked defense. Uh, so, as we head down the stretch here, we are providing our superlatives for the St. Louis sports scene. Yesterday, we did Athlete of the Year, and your Athlete of the Year, Brooke, was? Cody Schrader. Cody Schrader. And I went with Roman Burkai. <laughs> or Roman Berkey, if we call it Americanized. Yeah. yeah. Americanized. Silly Americans. Uh, so I, it, it is Roman Berkey, though. We Roman were having Berkey. this discussion, yeah. and according to City SC's website, it's Roman Berkey, because if you listen to some of the games on Apple this year, they would say Roman, and mm-hmm. then I started questioning everything, but it is Roman Berkey. It is. According to City SC's yeah. website, and from Roman. <laughs> Which is pretty important but for him to say it. We should just throw out Berkey out there. Yeah, Berkey, like Lionel Messi. Some people call him messy. I don't know why. It's too much going on. Yeah, there is. Okay, so today we're going to do team of the year. And I will start here, Brooke, because nobody at the beginning of the college football season, way back in late August, thought that the Missouri Tigers would be a New Year's Six Bowl team, which they are tomorrow night at the Cotton Bowl, taking on the Ohio State. Nobody at the beginning of the season, nobody thought that when bowl season came, Missouri would be playing Ohio State. Those two, 
in the same realm? We're talking about Missouri and Ohio State? No, this is not real. And then Missouri plays South Dakota. And don't look great. Brady Cook doesn't look great. And people are wondering, okay, why didn't we see more of Sam Horn in the second half of the South Dakota game? And then they go to uh, Columbia and they play Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee State was a snootful. The Blue Raiders, you got to watch out for them. And Mizzou only wins 23-19, and we're going, okay, maybe, maybe You were not. so nervous texting me during that game. I was game. totally nervous. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe the watershed moment, the 61-yard field goal by the thicker kicker against Kansas State to win that game at the end, 30-27. to Then they come here, and they handle Memphis. And then the SEC season starts, and they really get rolling. 38-21 over Vandy. They lose to LSU and Jaden Daniels, 49-39. But then they roll Kentucky at Kentucky. That was huge, 38-21. Beat South Carolina, thump them, 34-12. Hang with Georgia better than most teams have over the last couple of years. And then down the stretch, it was 36-7 over Tennessee. Tennessee had scored 60-plus against the Tigers in back-to-back years. They hammered Florida. Well, they didn't hammer them, but they they physically beat them up, Mm -hmm. uh, knocked out their quarterback, and uh, won 33-31, and then took care of Arkansas. To finish 10-2 on the season, have one of the best offenses, uh, an offense that scored 30 or more points in 10 of 12 games. Their defense was terrific, and Eli Drinkwitz became a star coach. I have the Missouri football team as my 2023 St. Louis area team of the year. Mm -hmm. And you can argue it too, because there's so many St. Louis area athletes, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, it really does feel like it is St. Louis's team. I remember whenever they made that change over to Eli Drinkwitz, they were really pushing that. You remember the billboards around town? St. Louis's football team. Exactly. And Eli Drinkwitz has done that by recruiting and keeping so many St. Louis players. No doubt. So there is my 2023 team of the year. Congratulations to the Tigers. Well, for me, Randy, this is an easy one because I'm going to give the team of the year award to St. Louis City SC. Mm, nice Their call. Good call. historic inaugural season. It was a fairy tale season. And of course, we know what happened in the playoffs. You didn't want to see that early exit, but still, it doesn't take away from the magic of what they were able to accomplish. A historic start, something that you haven't even seen with an expansion team. Randy, when I moved here to St. Louis, I remember sitting with Carolyn Kendall and also Jim Cavanaugh when this was just in its infancy, when they were just talking about it. They had renderings. They just had an idea. They didn't have a team name, and they just just had a vision of bringing soccer back here to St. Louis at that level and starting this expansion team. And that was just such a special moment to see it grow through the years and to what we saw this season. I I never could have dreamt when they were talking about it. I never could have dreamt it all coming together so perfectly. And that's a testament to the ownership group. That's a testament to everybody behind the scenes that we don't even talk about that put this all together and also bring in those players early. Like we were talking with a Roman Berkey, bringing them in early and having a facility ready to go for them. In Nashville, when they were awarded an expansion team, they had to play over at Nissan Stadium and wait for their stadium to be built. To have that built ready to go for this team, I think one, help the players get off to such a great start that we saw at the beginning in the season and go ahead and create that environment. It's so rare. I don't think that any of the expansion teams had that available for their players. It was more kind of a waiting and building. But for the ownership group to invest that early and invest in the city and stay true to their word of that, I think is such a beautiful thing and a magical season it was for there, the City SC. Brooke, there aren't many good things to come out of the pandemic, but that one year 
extension mm-hmm. that they got that rather than starting in 2022 to start in 2023. It actually worked to their benefit to be able to finish the stadium and have City 2 playing, get those players into town and yes. playing. I believe that did work to their benefit. And that's a great call. 2023 Team of the Year, St. Louis City SC. Congratulations to them. Both really good calls. And again, how bizarre that in a town where our hockey and baseball teams are so competitive on an annual basis that we don't have either of them as a team yeah. of the year. And Randy, you've said it so many times this year, and I've seen it too. Everybody has. There's so much City SC stuff around mm-hmm. town now. I have it on my card. Good, you have yeah. it and at home, do you? Oh, I have tons of City SC stuff at home. And if you went to a game this year, I told a lot of people, because there's people who I understand are not fully invested in soccer, even though we are the soccer capital of the U.S. I know that some people are still a little hesitant to go to the game. And everybody I talked to, I was like, please go to a awesome. game. It is yeah. worth it. It is so exciting. The environment that they created this season, they thought of every single detail and executed it to yeah. perfection of making it a great environment for fans. So happy new year to all of the sports teams and fans here in St. Louis. Coming up as Mizzou gets ready to take on Ohio State, a former Ohio State Bucky, the Buckeye that's now a Tiger, Pattonville's Mookie Cooper joins us next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. selfless player and uh, very appreciative of, of the contributions that he's made, not only on the field, but off the field with his leadership and his great teammate, and, and uh, glad that he chose to come back home. He's a, he, he's definitely just, his whole mindset is just how determined he is to just being great and making everyone else around him better. It, it's contagious. You know, it feeds everybody. That was Eli Drinkwitz and then Theo Weiss, fellow wide receiver for our next guest, Mookie Cooper, a graduate of Pattonville and wide receiver for your Missouri Tigers with Brooke Grimsley. I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And Mookie is with us on the Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How's everything down in Dallas? Good morning, man. It's a little chilly out here, but it's going good. (laughs) It's chilly in Dallas right now? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, it's a little better than I thought. I feel like Missouri out here. Well, Mookie, how have the festivities been? Just getting ready, ready for this Cotton Bowl. I'm sure you're very excited. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, we've been having a lot of things going on. Went to some nice food restaurants. Actually, went to like my second game basketball game, seeing Luka Doncic play. But uh, there's been a lot going on. They're having a lot for us. And um, at this point, we're getting ready for a game now. Nice. That sounds exciting. Well, Mookie, I want to ask you, because you just announced this past Sunday that you will be returning next season. Why did you want to stay at Mizzou in this era of the transfer portal? Um, Honestly, you know, I just feel like our team, we left some stuff on the table after this season. Um, I feel like myself personally, I left some stuff on the table after this season. And then um, it also came down to just the love of the brotherhood. Like, I don't know how I would feel just – I'm not making any other decision, knowing we ain't finished our mission and leaving my brothers behind. So, uh, you know, just just trying to go get it all next year. That's that was really the driver focus for coming back. That's very cool. Hey, I got to ask you about watching Luca in person because I've always thought that watching <laughs> players in the NBA on TV is a lot different than seeing him in person. What was it like watching him play in person? Um, it was crazy to me because I feel like he plays so slow and. He just still plays at his own pace and gets his shots off how he does. But uh, 
He's a great player for sure. It was honestly probably one of the coolest things ever. Cool. I hope Kyrie played, but he did. Nice. Well, that's really exciting to see. I also want to ask you about, we were talking about the St. Louis connections that is in with the Missouri Tigers right now. What is it like looking around and playing with so many other guys that are from the St. Louis area? It just means a little more. Um, it's like having an extra superpower with guys, you know what I'm saying? Y'all all coming from the same place. And it, it just seems... It's cool just having St. Louis guys all over. You know, a lot of people slept on St. Louis high school sports. And to have us all doing what we did last year here in Mizzou, changing the narrative of Mizzou, it, uh, it just means a lot more for the city. And another St. Louis and your starting quarterback, Brady Cook, what has it been like seeing his progression this season? Um, it's been great. You know, I always felt like Brady's been a great leader. But um, just on the field and off the field, he's he's just growing in so many ways. It's just staying humble, you know. A lot he's got a lot of success this year, and honestly, a lot of people may change doing stuff like that. But I feel like Twelve's been the same guy day in day out. He comes in with the same attitude, and you know he's just always gonna give his all each day. Mookie Cooper, Mizzou wide receiver with us on 101 ESPN. How important is that? You've played a lot of football over the years, and I'm sure you've played with quarterbacks and leaders who are emotional. But to have that even keel guy under center, how important is that? You know, that's major. Um, You know, he's the leader of the team, and he's most definitely the leader of the offense. So he's got to be the one to set the tone. And once you have a guy who can set the tone and lead by a great example, you know, the offense just will be in great hands. So now, obviously, when we were talking about the transfer portal earlier, you actually came from Ohio State to Mizzou. Just looking back on the decision, obviously it's worked out well for you, but why did you want to go from Ohio State to Mizzou? Um, when I was in the portal, I knew I just wanted to go to the SEC. I didn't know like if it had would have been Mizzou, but once Mizzou came in the option, you know, it was like it's home, it's SEC, and I got a possibility to make a change, so... That's literally what lived out. So that's kind of what was my decision-making process. You were talking about all the fun that you guys are having in Dallas leading up to the big Cotton Bowl game. Did you get a matching cowboy hat with Eli Drinkwitz? I've seen him in videos wearing a cowboy <laughs> hat around the practices. <laughs> yeah, I got me a cowboy hat. I don't know if it's the same as Coach, but yeah, we all for sure got a cowboy hat. And I honestly don't think I ever put it back on. <laughs> you didn't like it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just not a cowboy guy. I don't know. It don't look right on me. <laughs> so, Mookie, how is the swag for this bull? Uh, you know what I'm saying? The swag is dope. They got us right. Lots of gear. Lots of, uh, it's a lot. I ain't going to lie. It's probably one of the best bows I've ever been a part of. Um, we obviously have a great time. And also, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of Mizzou fans there. How excited? Have you seen some of the Mizzou fans around, too? But how excited are you to know that it seems like the majority of the fans who are going to be there are going to be Mizzou fans? I just show their commitment to us and show our commitment to ourselves. Honestly, like, just putting the work in and getting these fans to travel this much, travel this deep, show out this much they did this year. Uh, It just shows our buy-in with each other's from the team to the fans, you know. So I think it's going to be great, and I think it's going to give us a great advantage. Mookie Cooper with us on 101 ESPN. A couple of other things, Mookie. Number one, Brooke asked you about playing against Ohio State or coming from Ohio State. If somebody would have told you on the day that you committed to Mizzou that you're going to play before your time is up at Mizzou, you're going to play against Ohio State in a bowl game, what do you think you would have thought? 
I probably would have uh, got to work even harder. I don't know. I probably would have. I probably would have been happy though once I found out we was playing them. If the show was a great feeling, you know, just to go out and be able to compete on a level where we're on the same field at the same time and show them what I can do. But you know, it's all love still. Yeah, and one of the things that when Luther came to Mizzou, he said, hey, I want to change the perception and I want to help be a part of turning this program around. And I know, Mookie, you feel the same way, especially uh, we, we talked earlier about St. Louis, of changing the perception of high school athletes in St. Louis. But what's it been like for you to be a part of this turnaround? Um, it's been pretty cool uh, just seeing the, the vibes in the locker room from once I got here to where they are now, um, our connections with each other, how, how close we all are. It's just like now we all really, we're able to have fun and still put the work in and correct each other and stuff like that. You know, was, we had a lot of disease in me, I feel like, when I first got here. But now it's just we all mission-focused and, you know, drink set the standard and he, he just haven't came off of it. And I feel like that's how we end up becoming who we are today, just – keeping the standard the standard. Awesome. Any family coming to the game? Yeah, I got moms and um, my uncle and my girlfriend coming down. They're actually on the way down right now. That's awesome, isn't it? I was from St. Louis this morning. Yeah, that, that'll be so cool to have them in the stands, won't it? Yeah, that's all. my dudes always got to be in the stands. But, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Hey, one other thing from me, Mookie, Mookie Cooper, Pattonville product with us on 101 ESPN. Uh 34 catches this year, and it seems like every catch you make is a big one. What's your highlight moment so far? Before tomorrow night, what's your highlight moment of the season? Uh, highlight moment of the season. I'm going to have to go with, honestly, and I feel like this game, I, I maybe ain't have as big of a role, but the Tennessee dub just honestly feel like one of the biggest moments, like, because I've been here each time, and they beat us so bad, you know, everybody knows it. Just being able to go out victorious over them, honestly, just feels like probably one of my best memories here. That's awesome. Hey, Mookie, we're thrilled that you're going to get a chance to play tomorrow night against Ohio State. Thrilled that you're coming back for another year at Mizzou. And we're so proud of all of you St. Louis guys representing uh, Mizzou and St. Louis in the bowl game. Have a great time tomorrow night, and glad you're enjoying the week. Yes, sir. Let's go, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Uh, Mookie Cooper with us on 101 ESPN. What a, a fun young man he is. And you can tell yes. when you watch him play that he's having a great time. 100%. And by the way, when I was mentioning the ticket sales, I don't know if you saw this, but their school's associate, I'm talking about Ohio State, their associate athletic, athletic director for ticketing and seating said that approximately two-thirds of their allotment of tickets were sold for the Cotton Bowl. So their ticket sales haven't been going as well as Mizzou's. And they actually offered the, the rest of their allotment to Mizzou, and they sold them out. Yes, exactly. So, And I have to believe the secondary market is just flooded with Mizzou fans. I didn't realize this, Brooke, but the second biggest alumni base after St. Louis for the University of Missouri is Dallas. Oh, it's not Kansas that makes City. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. So there's going to be a ton of locals that show up wearing their Mizzou gear tomorrow night, too. A hundred percent, because you mentioned with the ticket sales, I think it was a was it Desiree Reed Francois that told us that they sold 13,000 tickets only one day after yeah. receiving the bid. And so then when you hear that OSU has only sold two thirds, 
I know that they've been, you know, to more New Year's Six Bowls in recent years and all that different kind of stuff. But still, I feel like you should show for your team. And this is going to be all black and gold then in the building. So that'll be exciting. Here's the thing. This is an issue with entitlement. If they're not playing in the Final Four, they think it doesn't matter. Mm. They can't appreciate the journey. I wonder, Obviously, they fill up their stadium, but they don't appreciate their journey unless it ends in a national championship, which kind of sucks. It's got What a miserable way to go through being a fan is if, if we don't beat Michigan, if we don't win at all, then it's a failure. That, that's just yeah. a, what an awful way to go through life as a sports fan. 100%. But once again, Mizzou fans showing up, and this is something that the other bowl games will look at in the future, too. Right, because... One of the reasons Mizzou didn't get the 2007 Orange Bowl is because of the way the team traveled and Kansas did. Mm-hmm. Well, now uh, Mizzou's a different animal altogether than exactly. it was eight years ago. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And coming up on 101 ESPN, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. I think we might hear Joel Hofer saves. I think I promised those earlier. Joel Hofer saves coming up on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. It is 918 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Blues take on the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow night, and that game starts at 7, 6 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. Last night, the Blues with a 2-1 win over the Stars. A goal for Jake Neighbors in the first period, a goal for Marco Scandella in the second, and then Jason Robertson scoring on the heels of a failed Blues 5-on-3 to give Dallas their only goal, and the Blues now 5-1 and under Coach Drew Bannister, Joel Hofer, the hero of this one, 39 saves in becoming the number one star. Stars quickly race in. That's Ben centering. Put it on. What a save by Hofer. It's Cairo stayed tied up with Dadnov who gets it back. Stars shoot it. Glove save. Hofer. And a puck brought by the Stars over the line. Right down the middle and a Hofer save on a Haskinen shot. This shot right off the pad of Hofer. Hintz was in front. Stars get it back. Hofer with a blocker save. Despite Marchment right in front of him, it comes back to the big goaltender from the far wall, and he swallows it with a glove. I thought Joel was outstanding. I mean, um, you know, his play he, from the beginning, like he was he was great on the PK for us early on where we had to, you know, make those two kills. So, um, but uh, made some key save for us, you know, in, in the third too, with uh, some difficult saves in tight. Uh, not a lot of rebounds. He did a real good job controlling his rebounds here tonight, but he, he was outstanding from, from the beginning right to the end. Blues coach Drew Bannister, whose club is still one point out of a wildcard playoff spot because last night, and I laugh because it happened, the Arizona Coyotes rallied from a 4 nothing deficit and came back and beat Colorado mm-hmm. by a score of 5-4 to four in overtime. And you've had time now to see the video of the yes. goalie implosion. What were your thoughts on that? I like it a lot. It's not quite at Belfour losing to mm-hmm. the Blues when Craig Janney scored in the playoffs in 1993, but I, I do like it when a goalie goes crazy and swings a stick. Yeah, and he, the, he did that. Hits, hits the boards. Hits the boards, yeah. It was great. It, seeing the kid in the background, too, he was absolutely terrified. So hopefully he'll yeah. give hockey another chance <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because he looks so scared. I felt no bad doubt. for him. But I don't feel bad for the abs. I don't either. I'm really happy about it, actually. It, it kind of makes me feel a little bit better about the Blues' chances because they're riding high. Five and one now under Drew Bannister. As you mentioned, great night for Joel Hofer. I wonder, and 
Joey was talking about this on the broadcast last night. If we'll see a little bit more of Hofer here because they can give Bennington more of a break. And now that he's built up more of that confidence, you could see it. And as Bannister mentioned, he's been very valuable, too, on the PK for the Blues. Yeah, he's a really good backup goaltender. Blues and Avalanche tomorrow. By the way, tonight, the Thursday night football game we've all been waiting for, the Browns and the Jets uh, pregame. We have? Well, no. Uh, 6.30 pregame here on 101 ESPN. Speaking of pro football, the Pro Football Hall of Fame revealed their list of 15 finalists for the twenty four in 2024 induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And one of those on the list for the fifth time is former St. Louis Ram wide receiver Torrey Holt, who had a spectacular career. And this is one that is seared into the minds of uh, eyes of many minds. Three-man rush for Seattle. Balls are going to air it out down the field. Torrey Holt running down the field. Makes the catch. Got it. He's got Five. it. Touchdown. Spectacular play by Torrey Holt. We were playing Seattle. And Bowles had dropped back and threw it. And me and Bowler, the safety for Seattle, re-arrived at the ball at the same time. He hit me. I hit him. I tipped it and, and caught it with one hand like this and brought it in. And ran it in for a touchdown. The folks in St. Louis, the, the stadium went crazy. Yeah, we did. He was so good. Mm-hmm. And to have the numbers that he had in an offense that had Isaac Bruce and for a time Oz Akeem and Marshall Falk, and they, they would get it to a lot of different people. But Torrey had more catches for more yards than any other NFL player between mm-hmm. 2000 and 2009. And the other the other wide receivers that are finalists for the Hall of Fame this year are Andre Johnson of the Texans, Reggie Wayne of the Colts. I hope this is the year for Torrey Holt. I really I really do as well, and I hope that it is. I don't really understand sometimes either the arguments against him, and I know that this Hall of Fame for the NFL, it's one of the hardest to get into. We were discussing this. I think it's the hardest Hall of Fame mm-hmm. to get into out of all of the other professional leagues just because of this. You have the NFL rosters that are obviously bigger, and there's so much talent. But one argument that I will not understand is kind of that whole logjam and thought process of, you know, the greatest show on turf just having so much talent with Marshall Falk, and then you have Isaac Bruce. But why is that something that isn't penalizing Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin? Right, exactly. And that same and conversation. In that yeah, I mean, no, it, Charles Haley. You don't see that same conversation working for them. So why is that something that is part of that argument with Tory Holt? You think it's frustrating because it's a stupid argument. You you can't base a Hall of Famer on the team that he played on and say, oh, well, they've just got too many guys. If Mm -hmm. you're a great player, you're a great player. doesn't matter what team you're on. Exactly. Now, there was also the argument that the St. Louis Cardinals had too many, and that was one of the problems Bernie ran into in trying to get Roger Worley, who was clearly a Hall of Famer, into the Hall of Fame. But they had Jackie Smith, they had Dan Deardorff, they had Larry Wilson, and people were saying, well, there's no way the St. Louis Cardinals can be that good, and the, the Redskins and the Broncos don't have enough guys in the Hall of Fame. No, it's individual players. It's not about the team that they played on. And Torrey Holt, mm-hmm. here's the way to look at it. Doesn't matter what team Torrey Holt would have played on between 2000 and 2009, he would have put up those kind of numbers. If he played for Indianapolis, if he played for the Chargers, if he would have played for the, uh, for the Cardinals, he would have put up 
really great numbers because he was that dynamic and that much of a force. Yes, 100%. He passes the eye test mm-hmm. and the numbers test that back up that eye test. And that's the biggest thing. You know, you when you're watching Tory, you'd say that's a future Hall yep. of Famer, right? And you can even do that now. You can pick out guys where you say that is a future Hall of Famer. Passing the eye test and the numbers back up that eye test. The other cool thing, and this is something that they'll never know in that room, but Tory as a receiver, wasn't a diva. He wasn't going to destroy teams like Terrell Owens did. He wasn't going to demand the ball mm-hmm. like Randy Moss did. He was a guy that wasn't going to stop playing when the play wasn't called for him to get the ball. He played hard on every single snap. In addition to the numbers, he was a consummate professional, too. A hundred percent. He, I have met him once before. That whole group, the greatest show on turf, some of the nicest guys oh, you man. will ever meet. I can imagine what that locker room was like. And Brooke, Michelle and I had the great good fortune of going to the Hall of Fame ceremonies for Isaac and for DV. Mm-hmm. And if Tori gets in, we have to go. Because that group, you're right, is just sensational. So special. So nice. And... Especially going in for Dick Vermeil because he wanted everybody to be a part of the process. He wanted everybody in the building, but even the media people, mm-hmm. to be a part of the process. And even as he's going into the Hall of Fame, he's sitting there with Jay Zygmunt and Mike Martz, and I think Al Saunders was there. He's got like uh, people from the front office and his coaching staff. And I was just sitting there listening to stories, and uh, somebody says, we got to take a picture. And I'm just sitting there. And DV says, Randy, you got to get into this too. He wants everybody to be involved. And mm-hmm. all the players took on that level of personality. Well, it's not hard to see after you meet him how he was able to lead the Rams yeah. in that way and everything that he was able to accomplish in his entire career. So when we're talking about the Pro Football Hall of Fame being hard to get into, if you could change anything, Randy, what would you change about the whole process? Well, number one, I do think, and I've gone back and forth on this, I think that the Hall of Fame needs to get Hall of Fame players and or coaches on that voting panel. I think there's 48 people that vote, and they're all writers. Even broadcasters aren't part of the voting process. So I think Mm -hmm. one of the things that they need to do is get, uh, oh no, that's baseball. Broadcasters are involved in the football Hall of Fame voting process. But I think they need to get more players and coaches so that there can be a greater understanding of what the writers think. And you need to get, it can't be people that don't care about the sport. You need to, uh, Dan Deroff would be ideal for being on the Hall of Fame selection committee. There's a ton of people. Peyton Manning would be great because he paid such close attention to what was going on. There's a lot of people that would be really good. Get 10 former coaches and players on the panel to change the voting process. And then the other thing is, I know the process, uh, the ceremony is already too long. I think one of the things they need to do is cut back on the speeches. And so that you can get another. But I love the speeches. I do too. But I'm just cutting, cut back on the amount of time so that you can get another player in there every year. Okay. I I see what you're saying. I do love the speeches a lot. Or don't let owners give speeches. There you go. Streamline the process a little bit. Get to the important, the meat of the subject. Because nobody really cared about Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones screwed over Kurt because Kurt went last the night he was inducted. And Jerry Jones spoke for like 40 minutes. And everybody had left and Kurt edited his speech. It was just really bad. It was not (laughs) Kurt's speech. That's so Jerry Jones, though. Yeah, Jerry Jones ruined it for, for Kurt and all the St. Louis people that were there. Yeah, that's very Jerry Jones of him. Totally, totally. So that's what I would do. All right, that's today's Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues have put together quite a streak here. What do we think of them now? That's next on 101 ESPN.
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Following their 2-1 win over Dallas last night are now 5-1 under new coach Drew Bannister. And it was interesting, Brooke, when Doug Armstrong announced the firing of Craig Berube. He said, there's no way that we should have lost to what it was Detroit the night before. He mentioned Columbus. Columbus and Chicago. Mm -hmm. With the rosters that those three, three teams have and the roster that we have and the players they have and the players we have, there's no way we should have lost those games. And that essentially is why... Craig Brewery was fired. Now, did I expect the Blues to beat Dallas last night? No. And we ran down the upcoming schedule yesterday. Of the Blues, eight games from last night through uh, the, the first part of next year, eight games, six of them are against teams in the top 11 in the league. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the hell to expect because <laughs> I think the Blues now are capable. If you play like you played last night, they're capable of beating pretty much anybody. And they're going to play... The best team in the league, the the team with the best record in the league, at least, in Vancouver next week. You're going to be playing the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow. You've got the Pittsburgh Penguins with all of that star power and all that history on Saturday. Would I be surprised if the Blues succeeded and, and won? No. As, again, Doug Armstrong said, it's not the wins or losses, it's how it looks. It's the eye test. And... Not only are they passing the eye test, but they're winning games. They are. And you can't ignore that either, right? It's it's more than the eye test. It's the fact that they are, you have to give them credit, 5-1 and one under Drew Bannister. And this is something that's very interesting because we talked about earlier about the defensemen getting more involved. I think it was, what did I say? It was uh, 20 points in the past seven games that they've been able to accumulate between all the defensemen. Marcos Candela with a goal last night. And that's not a new message. That was something that Craig Bruby was wanting to execute also at the start of season and something he was looking for is for his defensemen to get more involved. But now it's working. The power play, of course... That did not work out last night, but still, PK was a huge highlight mm-hmm, huge. for the Blues. Joe Hofer being a big part of that, his performance also working out. It seems like he's clicking at the right time. So, is this a process of one? You have the coaching change, the guys relating to the message more for whatever reason it may be, but also these guys kind of finally all clicking now together at the right time. And one of the tenets for success that Doug Armstrong has, and oh, by the way, I know there's a lot of Fire Army stuff out there. Since Doug Armstrong took over as the Blues general manager, you know which team in the NHL has the most wins? Hmm. Uh, Just based off of that, I'm going to say the Blues. The Blues do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He knows how to build a winning team. Now, they've only won the one Stanley Cup, but you know what? I'll take one over none. But one of Stanley his, Cup is really hard to win. It is. One <laughs> no. of his tenets is you've got to be dominant at home. And mm-hmm. under Drew Bannister... They're 4-0 at home, heading into tomorrow night's game against Colorado. That's another thing that they've turned around. They were meh at home before Bannister came about. And now, well, it, let's just look apples to apples. The the home games before the firing of Craig Berube, they had lost to Vegas 6-3. to And then you had to go back to November. But they had uh, squeaked by Buffalo 6-4. to They had lost to Nashville on the day after Thanksgiving 8-3. to uh, they, they were struggling at home. And they're much better now, at least small sample size, mm-hmm. at, at home than they have been. And that's another thing that Doug Armstrong looks at. I think that, that there, there is reason, and I would not have thought this, I think there is reason to be 
confident that the Blues can be what Doug Armstrong expected they would be. A playoff team, a team that finishes third in their division, a team that is in the playoffs at least as a wild card team, if not third in their division. I feel much better, and I didn't think I would, by the way, after the coaching change. I'll admit I was not happy with the coaching change, and no. I, I didn't think that that was going to be the answer. But it has been. And so I'm I'm going to give Doug Armstrong again credit for maybe the 150th time as a broadcaster because he apparently knows more about hockey and building a hockey team than I do. What? Well, <laughs> well I'd hope so, being the GM of, a ho- of said hockey team. And look, I think two things can happen at the same time in this whole situation. All of us, especially being here and witnessing firsthand what Craig Bruby was able to do and change within that locker room so quickly to the point where you bring home a Stanley Cup and we know how hard that is. We know how hard it's been for this organization to finally have that happen and he was the head coach that was able to accomplish it and that is something that will never be taken away but it just seems like this is what happens. This is the status quo in hockey where you have these changes at the helm so quickly mm-hmm. and so easily where it's almost expected right that your message will only work for say four to five years and then it's time to move on. Yeah. And that's what hockey is, right? And that's yeah. that's where we are and where we were and why it's working now. And Drew Bannister will have to face the same thing in four or five years if he gets the job. And then Jamie Rivers after that, when he gets a job, will have to face it after four or five years. For those who missed yesterday, what is your theory as to why Jamie Rivers will get the job again? Okay, so here's the thing. Under Doug Armstrong, Andy Murray, gray-haired coach. Mm. Davis Payne, bald coach. Ken Hitchcock, gray-haired coach. Mike Yo, bald coach. Craig Berube, gray-haired coach. Drew Bannister, bald coach. Next coach, gray-haired coach, Jamie Rivers. There you go. I like that theory. And it's not now. It's not next year. It's like three or four years down the road. Five years down the road. We we could do this whole thing all over again, right? But it's got to be a gray-haired coach. (laughs) That's just the way that it goes. But I think that, too, some of this working for Drew Bannister is the way that he is able to get a lot out of these younger guys. That was the whole point. When you sign those big contracts with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, then you want to maximize that. Also, Perunovic, getting mm-hmm. the most out of him. And then potentially some of these other younger guys that have been under Drew Bannister, seeing them come in, I think that that's something that he has obviously been able to at least tap into here. Yeah, and I get a text, uh, we get a text from the 314. Randy, do you think the Stanley Cup is the most difficult championship to win among the five sports? And I do. Yeah. It's a war of attrition where you have to win 16 games and you're playing an extremely physical sport every other night and there's a lot of luck involved. The Blues very easily could have lost Game 7 against Dallas, right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Uh, they very easily uh, – Jordan Biddington stood on his head uh, in Game 7 in the first period. But if one of those goes in, Game 7 against Boston is a different animal. The the hand pass game, that could have spiraled backwards for the Blues very quickly. They come back from the three-goal deficit in Winnipeg in the first round in Game 5. There were so many things that happened that were fortuitous for the Blues. And I don't think that luck plays as much of a role, and certainly attrition doesn't play as much of a role in the NBA, Mm -hmm. in baseball. Now, there is a war of attrition in baseball. There's no doubt about it because you don't have enough arms. But I don't think it's as tough. I, I, I... 
Not that it's easy by any stretch of the imagination. I just think it's more difficult to win the Stanley Cup. And then when you're only playing one game and done in the NFL, I can't count those sports as opposed to having to win four out of seven. The physicality is the biggest thing, like what you were saying. I just remember even one, Vince Dunn, his jaw, that situation, he didn't completely break it, but he broke a Mm -hmm. bone, right? right? And the fact that he still came back and was able to play, I think that was huge. Even Robert Thomas getting knocked out. There's so many injuries along the way. Everybody's banging. Up, but then you also have injuries of guys getting knocked out. What Tory Krug did to Robert Thomas, yep. I'll never forget about that. But that was a situation where it just shows how physical and brutal that it is leading up to that. All of those guys were so banged up going into that game seven. Think of this in 2021, Jack Flaherty pulled an oblique on Memorial Day and he was out for three months and it basically ended his season. Yeah. In the playoffs the in 2021, Braden Shen tore his oblique and played the rest of the playoffs with it. And had broken ribs. <laughs> and had broken ribs, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and that's just typical of the hockey player. So, yes, that's why I think the Stanley Cup is the most difficult trophy to win in sports. Yes, and also my favorite celebration in all of sports, Yeah, too. it's great, carrying it around like they do. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, hopefully the Blues will get back to a point where they can win uh, – uh, a Stanley Cup again. And as you mentioned yesterday with the World Championships going on, man, another reason to really appreciate Doug Armstrong. Seven Blues playing in the World Juniors. Take the time to watch Dvorsky, by the way. He yeah. looks really, really good. J.K. said he needed to see five games. We've obviously have now just four more. We talked about that sh- that run of nine straight mm-hmm. games. Now it's down to eight straight games. they got to win against Dallas. So those eight games against all plus 500 teams, if they go just 500, let's say they go four and four across those eight games. They go four and four across those eight games. <laughs> Does it change your opinion? Are you sitting here thinking of a different Blues team in two weeks? I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. That, that would be really impressive. I would like that. Yeah. I remember when Adam Oates was here and uh, signed an extension with the Blues and like a year later. Yeah. Uh, he, he wanted another extension. And then <laughs> Otsi, and the Blues didn't agree with that. They should have signed him as it turns out, hindsight being twenty twenty. Hmm. But uh, that resulted in the Blues and Adam Oates having a divorce key. Oh. Yeah. The, fan, the fans handled that but well, though. <laughs> yeah, we, we handled it really well. <laughs> Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch of this edition of the opening drive with Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Hey, there's still time to get your 101 ESPN merch to support Operation Food Search. You can get a shirt. We partnered with St. Louis Shirt Company, and we've got the... Cool designs, including Jamie Rivers and Brad Thompson jerseys, dunk shirts, and more. Time running out. You need to order your swag by Sunday, December 31st. Visit the 101 ESPN online merch store at 101ESPN.com, powered by McBride Homes, and get your 101 ESPN shirts. All right, it is time now for Rock and Roll. Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, earlier on in the show, Brooke brought up the odd relationship going on between head coach and quarterback with the Denver Broncos, I guess I should say former starting quarterback, Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson. (laughs) And Sean Payton was asked at the presser yesterday, uh, it just sounds like Russ is taking a lot of the blame for this season. I get that. And and yet um, I can't replace the entire offensive line. I can't bring in five new receivers and 
and, it, and if it continues over a period of time, then there'll be another guy here talking to you as well. I, it, it, this, this is something that, you know, these are difficult decisions. And obviously there's more attention when it's the quarterback who's, who's under contract, but different than maybe, you know, earlier decisions we've made with maybe last year's prior starters. I can just assure you one thing, and, and honestly, and, and I've said this to Greg and George a number of times, I'm just interested in winning. And, and it doesn't matter how. That was Sean Payton talking about Russell Wilson maybe catching a little bit of, of the flack for the overall struggles of the Broncos and the Broncos offense. And basically what happened, in short, is Sean Payton saying, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. One of us has to get out of here, and it's you, Russ. Yeah. That's, that's basically what happened here. And money plays a huge factor. But either way, Russell Wilson is getting $30 million in cash, no matter what. But it was the $37 million that was the big thing, the big issue mm-hmm. here. Is If he would have gotten injured, correct, right? Then Yeah, $39 million yeah. would have been guaranteed if he would have been hurt. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, though. Uh, Sean Payton says, I can't uh, replace all five offensive linemen. Well, Sean, you were the guy that decided to give all the money to Mike McGlinchey. You were the guy that decided to give the extension to Garrett Bowles. You were the guy that brought in Ben Powers from Baltimore. Why would you want to replace the guys that you brought in? Uh, your receivers are okay, uh, but the the one missing link in terms of winning games for them, and not not losing games, but uh, not not losing games, but in terms of winning games. Uh, Russell Wilson just isn't a guy that wins games for your team anymore. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. So yeah. I, I I get the move. Now, the question is, here they are in the playoff hunt. Right now, if the draft were held today, they would be in the middle of the pack in terms of trying to find a young quarterback. I don't know if that's the direction he goes. Take it or leave it. The quarterback for the Denver Broncos in 2024 is Taysom Hill. Oh, so Peyton was behind the Saints giving him a, a bunch of money, including more if he played exclusively quarterback. Maybe. Uh, okay, I'll take it. I think that would be really interesting. I, think, I, think I, I would not be surprised. Well, and then do you think that Jarrett Sinem just kind of looked around yesterday and was like, wait a minute, I'm in this situation again? Yeah. And I was listening to Adam Schefter, and he was like, you know, this gives Jarrett Sinem a chance to possibly try to get that role. That's not what's happening no, here. That's no not chance. what's happening here whatsoever. It is kind of weird that the Broncos are in this situation all over again. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's... Well, and the Stidham is after last year with Carr. Oh, yeah, and Carr. Yeah, and he's in this whole situation all over again. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to exactly expect. I personally, just coming into the season with the Broncos, I thought that the whole purpose of Sean Payton coming in is so that they could build kind of a long-lasting relationship with the Broncos. You know, that Sean Payton is this quarterback whisperer, and they would have this great relationship they build, and Payton would fix Russ, and that it would be a great, you know, they'd ride off into the sunset together essentially but now after everything that has come to light I don't think that that was ever the case I think that Sean Payton really just wants to rebuild this team and have his quarterback at the helm I believe that they the Broncos and Payton came in with the idea that they could salvage and get something out of the Wilson contract not that they were going to get rid of him, but they were hoping like hell that, okay, we spent all this money. Do you think that they really wanted to spend that extra money, that $37 million? If he played well, if they were leading the division right now, they would be very happy. But it didn't work. 
And yeah. so now they're trying to save money. But I, I think when they signed Peyton to that deal, they thought, okay, good combination. Will uh, Russell Wilson is a, a smaller quarterback uh, with a good arm. Peyton is one with a smaller quarterback with a good arm. And I don't think that they foresaw two things. Number one, the decline, precipitous decline in the play of Russell Wilson. And he was allowed to be a diva both in Seattle and in his first year there. Had his own quarterback coach, his own personal quarterback coach. Had mm-hmm. two offices at the building, had two parking spots. Who? What player needs two parking spots? And so I think that, <laughs> that they had given him... I never knew about the parking spots. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they had given him so much power within the organization. And, and as we know, we've seen it. It happened with the Adi here, right? Mm-hmm. It happened with Brett Hall with the Blues. You give a player a ton of power within an organization and it's hard to take it away and get it back unless you get rid of the player. Well, if you've been looking, I'm saying the Broncos being in this situation again, the Broncos have been kind of a mess in recent oh, years. Man, terrible, terrible. At what point do they look at themselves and say, we're kind of doing something wrong here? And maybe that's what they're doing with Sean Payton taking over and bringing him in. But this is just another kind of bad situation to be in once again for the Denver Broncos. But at least it's only the second year of a new ownership. Yeah. So it, they've got that going for them. By the way, if the draft were held today, they would pick 14th there might be a quarterback for them at 14, but I have to believe that the hope of Sean Payton is that he winds up with a veteran. I would not be surprised if they would try to get Taysom Hill from the Saints. There, there would be wilder things. Now, the follow-up question is, where is Russ going? We were talking about this yesterday. Do you like my Atlanta idea? Yes. I do. It makes sense. Because if, if And they probably aren't going to win the division. But the Falcons. And if you're worried about a coach killer, then I don't know if you necessarily have to worry about that. Or, or somebody texted right. it earlier. Arthur Smith did that to himself. Yeah. <laughs> he done killed his own job. Yeah. Um, Atlanta would pick tenth right now, but again, they might be in. And especially looking at that division and the players that they have around, they might want. And depending on who the coach is. They might want to get a veteran in there. If Arthur Smith is back, he doesn't want to go back to a rookie. He certainly doesn't want to go back to Desmond Ritter. So maybe a guy like uh, Wilson would be a fit there. Uh, Carolina, no. Arizona, no. Washington, depends on who the coach is, Mm -hmm. maybe. And I think Russ might be from the D.C. area, if I'm not mistaken. New England, no. I don't think. Depends on who the coach is again. I don't think so. Giants, no. Chargers, Billy's no. going to be there? I don't. Uh, uh, Tennessee, definitely no. Chicago, no. Jets, no. Atlanta, maybe. New Orleans, probably not. They'll keep Carr. Green Bay, no. Vegas, I don't think they would go there. Uh, Denver, no. <laughs> 314 likes this. He says, Stalter deserves Russell Wilson. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Come on. Don't do that to him. <laughs> no. I like that. Uh, Pittsburgh? Ah. Uh. No? Cincinnati, no. Tampa, no. Tampa's going to re-sign Mayfield. Uh, Indy, no. Seattle, definitely no. Jacksonville, no. Rams, no. Buffalo, no. So all the teams that are in the playoffs, no. So there's... I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Patriots, Falcons, and maybe the Steelers make sense. We don't know what they think of Russell Wilson, exactly. the guy. That's no. going to be the key. How does Russell Wilson affect the organization? That, that's going to be the biggest part. Yeah. And Sierra... I think, right. is she from Atlanta? I think I so. I'm just imagining that. No, I think there you're we right. go. We're there making we some go. connections there. But this is a cautionary tale of the grass is not always greener on the other side. No doubt. Uh, we've got a producer show coming up, right, Matthew? 
Yes, sir. Are myself, you talk much? Myself, Action Jackson, uh, Marshy, Grant, Bradford, everyone in here but Tanner. Who's out of town? Oh, he's, he's out of town. town. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Looking okay, forward to T-Bone. the producer show. Great he, job. He beat me in fantasy football and he just dips out of town. Huh? Wow. wow. He's a, he beat everybody. He's a, he's a good fantasy football player. Yeah. He, had, that's all he, he had a freaking wagon. I, 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 I smell called like conspiracy. in like week eight. I looked at him like, you got a wagon, dude. I'm, I'm worried about that. Who won the other game? Um, Kerry? Died. No. Alex? Yes, Alex said. Uh, Do you see the conspiracy yeah. that's oh, building yeah. up here? Do you see <laughs> the conspiracy? The um, uh, BK, who okay. is on the show with T-Bone oh, and okay. Alex. Oh, so that's sense. a little, I know they accuse us of some uh, stuff. I think, so I think we can show it off to them. How about that? Oh, I, we, they're telling that? us to get out of here. Get the hell out. Oh, it just worked perfectly. Okay. It actually just worked perfectly with what we were talking about. Okay. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Friday Eve, everyone. And now for something completely different. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.